Today, we have something kind of neat. I was able to poke and prod Ryan Sage a little bit and get you guys uh, some savings on some cool merch. So use code PODCAST23 at checkout. Save yourself 20% on any FD merch. Hats, shirts, lanyards, whatever it is. You can't get this sign. That's mine. You're not getting that one. But basically everything else, use code PODCAST23 at checkout. Save yourself 20%. Rep some FD shirts, some hats, whatever. And we'll see you out there. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Outer Zone, the official podcast of Formula Drift. My name is Jacob Gettens, and we have Roan Charpentier. I'm always struggling with how French I want to make your last name. Like, as somebody who born and raised in Canada and took French lessons, like, up until grade 10, it's so hard not to go full French <laughs> on your last name. Yeah, and it's totally okay. Like, that's, I mean, I'm used to it on both sides. So the French yeah. side is Charpentier, and the, you know, the U.S. side is normally Charpentier. So, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, I, I, what do you, like, in, like, internally within the family, is it, does it go back to Charpentier, like, being on that side it's of it? It's pretty you just kinda... split. Because really? my mother's side is uh, technically, like, Australian. So okay. I have, like, Australian on one side, and my father's, the like, French-Canadian side came down from Quebec. So it's very, it's, it's mixed. It doesn't really matter. You're just, like, a mixed bag of everything then, huh? <laughs> Yeah. So then, okay, so then with, with that being said, where does the Swedish yarn come from? So that's that's funny because it's like a Scandinavian, like Nordic name. Uh, I know. Like a Viking name, which is super cool. And I didn't know that till, uh when I traveled over like Finland and there's, I met three or four Bjorns. And I was like, yeah. yo, wait a second. Like this is, this is proper here. <laughs> so really what it was, it had nothing to do with the like background of the family. It was my mom's, like one of my mom's uh, bosses back in the day, like probably her favorite person she's ever worked with. Um, and I guess he was a very like loving and open man. And uh, th- his name was Bjorn. And gotcha. he was, you know, he was like uh, of Nordic descent. And that's just kind of where the name came from. And then when they decided they were going to have me, uh, it was a battle between my mom and dad. So I was either going to be <laughs> Bjorn or I was going to be Marcel. And Marcel, my father's a huge hockey player, as you know, as well. And yeah. uh, Marcel de Young, like huge, he, he, my father's uh, grew up in Boston. So that okay. was kind of the upbringing, who he was looking up to and respecting. And so either way, I was going to be uh, Marcel Bjorn Charpentier or uh, Bjorn Marcel Charpentier. Okay, so that Marcel's in the middle then. Yeah, Marcel's still here, just in the middle. Ah, interesting. So where did, I guess, where did Rome come from out of all this? Like, I like, <laughs> you, you fit Rome. I like it. I'm a fan. I'm just like... Honestly, doing research, I was like looking for for Rome and I couldn't find shit. And then I started doing some more digging, got in contact with some people, and they're like, oh, you're looking for bear, not for for Rome. And I was like, hang on, what? And they wouldn't tell me anymore. And then I looked it up and I'm like, oh, okay. So it's been yeah, fun. Rome. It's been a little treasure hunt looking looking through your past. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So basically, uh, before I got into drifting and even really knew what drifting was, I was uh, I used to ride street bikes. So I did like street bike stunts. And I used to always have a mohawk on my head and I had a mohawk on my helmet. And the funny thing is, is uh, no one really knew my name at the beginning when I started all the stunt riding. So it was right after the movie Troy came out. So it was really uh... super funny was that literally there was a uh, you know, like the Roman gladiators. And because the Roman gladiators would have like the little mohawks on the top, they said I look like, you know, the Roman gladiator, but they couldn't call me gladiator because, I'm you know, I'm I'm small. I'm, I'm a small guy, so that kind of be messed up. But so they called me Rome, and that was kind of a nickname because in bike clubs or riding groups, you always get nicknames. 
Yeah. And so my nickname was Rome and it just kind of ever like stuck to that new personality and the new, like who I chose to be in the world. That's sick. That's sick. So one of the things that I found is like how scary it is, how close you and I are in, in different ways. So I don't know if you knew this, but I rocked a Mohawk from the time I was like eight until about 21. Uh, I was like big, pretty close. I stopped at like nine. I stopped at probably 20 actually. Okay. Uh, I was also one. a cold. Yeah. Yeah. So a hold, big hold lime green one. Yeah. So hold on. What did you use? Did you use egg yolk or did you use Elmer's glue? Uh, I used gotta be glued for most of okay. it. And then when it got really big, I moved into yeah. Elmer's. I didn't get into yeah. egg yolk mostly because like where I lived had mosquitoes and, and it, it would like horrible. attract. Yeah. It got really bad, but like, so yeah, did, I used to. Yeah. Did you ever <laughs> lay on your bed and then iron the Mohawk out on the top of the bed to get the thing to stand up? So I've got, I've got three sisters <laughs> and my sisters used to help me with it. Cause like I had like a flat iron, I would spray it down. I would have like a flat, like a straight iron. Yep. That I would mm-hmm. then use, and then they'd have to hold it and spray. Because it got so long at one point that, like, your, my arm would get tired trying to hold it up to do all the work. It was crazy. So yeah, that that's super people, cool. When people joke about now with that the hat, I'm like, listen, people have been staring at my head since I was nine years old. I'm totally, totally ready for this. Yeah, so, that no big deal. So yeah. that's super, super cool too. And yeah, I mean, I I used to grow up listening to a lot of punk rock bands. So I remember like the distillers, I met Brody for the first time, which is the lead singer. And she would have a huge mohawk, but as soon as she'd come off stage, she'd fold it down. So it looks like she has normal (laughs) hair, but then she stands it up and it's just all like shaved. And this is back, you know, this is like uh, early 2000s. So this is kind of a a different time to have that big of a mohawk. So yeah, I was like, in that time, I was like listening to like the John Stones kind of more in the ska area. And then like the casualties being like, yeah you know, the hardcore stuff and then like stuff in between like Fugazi, which is like DC post-punk and anyways, yes, big, yeah. big, big punk and metal guy here. That's, that's my go-to. Um, we're both goaltenders in hockey, yes. which is crazy. We learned that the other day. Yeah. Cause um, I started at four and a half playing uh, was, ice hockey as a goalie. Yeah. I was about so. the same. I did, I was a goalie, I think at like seven or eight and my dad just started crying cause he realized how expensive <laughs> it was going to be. My dad, so my dad's a left-hand, uh, left-wing defenseman so he right. thought i was going to either play defense or you know, you know afford or something and i was like i want to be goalie and he's like why like why would you ever want to be goalie and i don't Worst know i was position. like that's what i want to do he's like uh, okay i guess so i use like the the rinks like rental pads down in mira mesa and that's what yeah. i what i started on and they're so big like i remember trying to skate the first time on them I'm like how do we even move in this thing uh, i just stand there and then okay so funny thing that's how i got my lucky number of 17 because okay. you know how you start out, the smallest player has jersey one, and then it yep. goes all the way up to like 15 and 16. And then the first goalie number in uh, mini mites was 17, and then the next one was 18. So I was the first goalie, which was number 17, because it was the biggest jersey they had. Interesting. That's funny. So my, my number's always been 13, and it was either 13 or one goaltender, and then I played D yep. for a while. So, yeah. Huh. Um, and then to add to this, I once had, and I kind of got known for having an entire chalkboard car. And then I'm oh. looking through and realized you had a chalkboard BMW. I'm like, yeah. what is happening? So my next door neighbor, uh, does a lot of stuff with like underprivileged families and kids, especially down in LA. So I bring the race car out like once or twice a year, sometimes three times a year, but I bring the, the car out and the hood out and let yeah. the kids draw on the hood. And then we go drive at that time pro-am, but I drive pro-am and the kids got to see it like, 
you know, pictures and photos of it um, on the race car. So they get to draw on it and just be part of kind of part of our program. It was super cool. Yeah, I did something similar. I used to hire artists and like not not quite as charitable as yours, but I'd hire artists to come out and do like murals all over the car, like car shows. And like there'd be like this live art show going on at the car show. So, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's funny. It, just, so it was can, just so weird seeing that. <laughs> like, I was like, yes. So not going to tell you what we're going to do, but you'll see it next week. We are releasing something that goes not that extreme, but it's something super cool that we'll have set up livery designed for Irwindale. Ah, that's so, so cool. It'll just be yeah. a modified version of our livery. Nice, nice. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been fun. It's been fun doing <laughs> doing digging. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's been cool. And then we got to do that announcing thing. That was pretty cool together. Yeah, which... Lake Erie Speedway. That was, was that this year? Or la- I think it was last year, wasn't it? I have no idea. I do. The, the time. time is it was cool, though. Blending. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I you, you picked up behind the mic pretty quick. So I wasn't, uh, I was pretty comfortable. I was just like, oh, shit. Like, he knows what he's doing. We're good. The weird part is that you can't hear yourself there and you don't yeah. know. And then there's like a, like a 30 second delay of when it, you hear it out there. So it's really weird. Can you run over yourself, listening to yourself, like background? Yeah, they've they've got that fixed now. Like I've I've done a couple more announcing things there, and I'm like, guys, like here's what we're gonna do moving forward. So they've got like headsets now, so it's it's all set. But yeah, no, it was cool that you came out. I know you you drove a bunch of a bunch of different guys' cars there, so um, helped set up with the track layout too, which was really sweet because that was a great layout. Yeah, it ended up working really well, and I think the tandem, uh, at least from like. Uh, like top eight in was really good. And for Pro-Am, yeah. that's, you know, that's normally kind of rare. So I was very impressed with the tandem there. And then once they did uh, the open track, like A, B, and C group, um, mm-hmm. I don't know which one was the higher driver. I think it was A. A is like top a. level. Yeah. But uh, whatever it was, dude, they're all jamming. I remember like 25 car tandems. Like they were, they're getting down. So that dude, was impressive. I, I, I've said it so many times that like Lake Erie is going to be like one of, like it's, it's, I'm obviously biased because, like, I'm right. Like, it's local-ish to me. It's, like, four hours out. But, like, the amount of talent that I've seen come out of there so quickly for, like, a track that had, you know, I mean, I would say, like, three years ago, like, just before COVID, like, it was, like, 30, 40 cars. Now it's, like, 180, and it sells out in, like, two, three hours. Like, yeah, And then there's great. a waiting list. Yeah, it's great. Like, so I'm I'm waiting. They just wrapped up their, their pro, and I can't remember who got... Uh, I think it was Alan Boss that got his pro spec license. So yeah, I believe yeah. so. I'm not sure though. But yeah, yeah, he he's a great driver. I drove with him a couple times now. Yeah, him no, and his was... teammate. Yeah, uh, Casey Rodriguez, I think. Yes, he's also a yeah. super talented driver. Both of them. Yeah, Yeet Fleet. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Yeet yeah, Fleet that was them. I remember. Yeah. I was trying to read like yeah, Yoat Yeet Yeet Yeet. You're like no Yeet. I'm like something the kids say, man. Like all right, no worries. So I want to I want to get your um, kind of history on drifting because you started relatively late, all things considered. Considering where you're at now, I mean, it's been a pretty short tenure to to get here. So, yeah. from my understanding, it all starts with an A eighty six, which is a great place to start. Yes and no. Uh, it started <laughs> and kind of finished with that, but yes. So uh, I had an eight six a long time because I like to drive kind of like the mountain roads. So I bought the 8.6. I probably had it for like 10 or 11 years. And it was a blacktop 20 valve, um, open diff. And someone asked me like, hey, man, you should bring the car out. Like, let's go drift. I think it was actually uh, Andrew Goodluck. He's another Corolla driver from down here. 
And he's like, uh, cause I met him in the canyons in the mountains and him and then RJ, which RJ is from a big duck club. Yeah. So I met both of them in Glendora mountain road and they're like, Hey man, like you should come to a drift event called all-star bash. I'm like, okay, I'm down. So we went to all-star bash. I still have the banner in my garage. So it's 2016 all-star bash. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try and drift. Cause I, I didn't really drift the car. I didn't know that the diff had to be welded. So it was an open diff Corolla. And I was like, all right, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to go like, this is going to be super cool. So I went to the track day and it was funny because to my right was RJ and I met him like three times in my life, five or like four or five years apart, just randomly out of the blue and then randomly out of the blue again. And then like randomly out of the blue. So uh, me and him have always like met throughout time. And then on the other side was, uh, which I didn't know at the time, but it was Nikki and Daryl Priono, which were uh, technically my spotter and my uh, crew chief. But I didn't know that that's who they were. They just were these two guys that drove a BMW and with an LS in it. I was like, that's super cool. And all of a sudden I hear someone yell like, like, hey, Rome. I'm like, no one knows me here. Like what this, what? And then I hear it again. And I like trying to look around and right behind, like behind us over my little tent, because I didn't know people sleep in like proper things. So I brought the Corolla <laughs> with a fold out tent. Yeah, I froze. Horrible idea. Don't go, don't go to, yeah, don't go to uh, uh, Willow Springs in the winter in a tent. That's not a good idea. I almost blew away too, but that's another part of the story. So I hear someone yelling at me and I pop my head up over and I still can't see the person, but it's like a yellow, it's like a green and yellow um, BMW E36 uh, that I found out later is LS Turbo. And I found out his name is Jeff Groff. Well, I've known Groff because I used to do like professional stunt shows with Groff four or five years ago. So I've known Groff for like 15 years. So oh, wow. Groff was there, like RJ was there, like all these people that I've known in my past all just started randomly showing up at the drift event. I'm like, oh, you guys drift? They're like, yeah. I'm like, thanks for inviting me. Like, that's cool. <laughs> Appreciate it. Sorry, it took 10 years to get me out here, but that's cool. So uh, yeah, I remember going out there. I remember two things. I still have the video. I don't know if I can send it to you, but uh, I have the video. And I'm coming around Streets of Willow. And you know how you come down the hill of streets? Like you go down and enter into the big skid pad? Coming Mm -hmm. around, and I remember like looking down at the crawl. I'm like, I'm going to go as fast as I can on this one. And I hear on the side, like, I'm like, that's a weird sound. And I look up, and it's Forrest. And Forrest passes me like, I'm probably doing 40, like 40, Mm -hmm. 41, 42, 43. (laughs) And Forrest passes me probably 80 miles an hour. One big flick manji snaps and then just connects the whole entire front straightaway of streets like he's probably over 100 miles an hour easy and i'm like this is crazy and i watch him drift the bottom and drift the s section i'm not even to the house yet like i'm not even to start finishing like i'm still going like in third gear i'm like i'm gonna get fourth eventually and i mean it was i remember that and remember thinking like okay this car is probably not enough um and then the open diff like doesn't let it drift at all really like it just yeah. doesn't really work. And I had, a, you know, the normal handbrake that you try and pull the cable. So it like slide and then straighten out. So I don't know how much you want to call that drifting. But then they're like, yeah. hey, go try Horse Thief. I'm like, okay. So I go up Horse Thief. And you know how everyone waits at the top? So I go down. I bomb down as fast as I possibly can, which is like third gear and it's not very fast. At the bottom of the hill, I'm starting to bog. So I downshift second. And I'm still bogging going up the hill. So I have to like try and clutch in and go into first. And I remember Hillbrun like just power shifting past me in his like monster BMW, just right up the hill, gone. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get killed out here. So I remember just pulling, like eventually I went down, I just drove off. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to kill somebody because the car literally had a downshift to go up the hill and he's upshifting like a boss. Wow. So 
that was my introduction to drifting. And then I was like, all right, because I just started uh, dating my wife at that time in Canada. And was like, all right, cool. So I flew up back up to Winnipeg, which is where she's at. And I'm like, hey, babe, like, I think I want to do this drift, like drifting thing. Like, I want to buy a drift car. And she's like, okay. Like, she didn't know what drifting was. My wife's uh, Vietnamese from Vietnam. And she's she was studying electrical engineering in University of Manitoba. Okay. And so I was like, cool. Like, she's super smart. Like, I'm like, yeah, there's drift cars. She's like, <laughs> okay, go for it. And uh, I remember finding the car finding a car on Craigslist down by me in uh, Riverside. And the guy wanted 1500 bucks. It says like drift ready, which I was like, okay, yeah, this is what I want. Um, I call him. He's like, yeah, I'll wait for you. Like no one's really called me about it. I'm like, cool. So I drive down there to go get this car, this BMW. I'm like, this is going to be cool. This is going to be the the best thing ever for me. I I love it. Show up and it's a, uh, it's a black E36 and there's no windows. Uh, The sunroof is missing. The passenger seat is in the driver's seat. So if anyone's ever tried to mount a driver's seat in the passenger seat, they they poke out the window because the BMWs oh, really? are like tilted. Yeah, they tilt them to center them. So when you mount the passenger seat that's tilted this way and this way, it's hardcore tilted. So you're out the window. Um, there's no key to start it. There's literally a screwdriver and it doesn't start. He swears he drove it home that night. He was a little messed up. Even the next morning when I came there, he was kind of, so he's like, no, man, I swear. I swear I drove it home. I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't know about that. It just, it, it does, I don't know if you drove this thing. It's not but, looking that um, way. No, I didn't. And I thought it wasn't too bad. I'm like, oh, just some windows. I can make this work. This would be perfect. So I, uh, I called AAA and they they get there and they're like, I guess I can tow it. Like they were very questionable about towing this thing. They had four different wheels on it. Like it was pretty bad. But get it home, and I noticed that when he lowered it in the front, you know how BMWs have like a beehive? Mm-hmm. So he just cut the beehive in half and lowered it. So it was above the center, like the top hat. So it was just on frame rail, like basically oh on God. top of shock tower. So that was the beginning of the destruction of the shock towers. And then uh, I find out, we went to the junkyard, tried to figure out what parts I needed. And luckily I took a picture of the relay box at the junkyard to see if I was maybe missing something. And when I got home, I realized what had happened was he got all messed up and he didn't want someone to steal it. So he swapped all the relays around so no one could steal the car. And he forgot that he did that. So I put all the relays back in the right position. Boom, fired right up. Amazing. So uh, instead of $1,500, he gave it to me for $500 because it didn't start. And he just needed the thing gone. And it was welded diff, uh, lowered, and um, questionable. And that was my very first drift car, technically, because the Corolla wasn't really... Approach, yeah, like, eh. you're saying. Corolla it was, was a car. Like, it was a car that you tried to drift, but it wasn't a drift car. Yeah, correct. It wasn't even well to diff at the time. So I was like, yeah. okay, cool. So this is my first actual drift car. It was the uh, the E36. I got it running. I think either January or February. Um, and yeah, that's the same car I currently have today. That's my pro that's car. Wild. That's so. wild. <laughs> I, I knew, like, I knew you carried it for a while. I wasn't sure if you carried it all the way into pro. Like, I carried it from like dying junkyard, like getting ready to be donated all the way to pro. And that like, without like getting too far ahead of ourselves, that car has like seen multiple walls, has hit every corner, has been rolled over in a trail. Like it's, <laughs> it's so beat up. The fact that it's, like, is it even straight? Like, what are your alignment specs like to keep that thing? Yeah, that's what I put a good eye on it. <laughs> oh my god, 
<laughs> yeah, I knew I knew you mm-hmm. carried it for a while, but I, for some reason I thought that like your second year in pro, you like built a new chassis, but I guess not. So my second wow. year in pro, we inherited. So I was building a, a car for a Russian driver, uh, an R33 Skyline. Here's a side note. This You'll like this one. So okay. I had a Russian guy come over, uh, Anton, super nice guy. And he brought me an E36 and a 2J. And he's like, bro, I want you to build this. Like, I want a 2J BMW E36. This would be so rad. We film, like we do the whole thing for his production guys. I walked through it for like two and a half hours. We're all good to go. And then as he leaves, as he's walking around my trailer to leave, he's like, thank you so much, man. Like, we'll build this. And then hopefully after this, I, I'll build my dream car. And I'm like, wait, wait, stop, 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 bro. Like, what? Like, dude, we're like, like you don't understand. Like, it's not going to cost any more to build any other, like, relatively cost any much more to build any other car. Because it's yeah. still everything you want to do. You know, quick change dog box, like 2J. That's expensive stuff, not the shell. Yeah. So I'm like, wait, what do you really want to build? He's like, I want to build a, an R33 Skyline. I've always wanted one. He's like, but I can't find one under 30 grand. I was like, if I get you one for like under 10 right now, would you do it? He's like, I, I'm all in. I'll do it right now. So I actually called up uh, Andy's Tires. So you know Andy? Yeah. Anyway, a- Andy's Tires was my very first sponsor. Okay. Call up, call up Andy's Tires. I'm like, hey, bro, I know you have an R33 Skyline in your backyard in the dirt. With no motor or anything in it, like, will you sell it? And he's like, yeah. yeah, fine, come get it. So I sent him with some cash up there, and it was less It was less than what, you know, even I told him it would be. Uh, he went up there, got it, brings it down to us, and it ha- it's very old-school welding stuff on it. Uh, I think Forrest mm. actually did the cage in it. Can you guess oh, whose wow. car this was? If Forrest did it? I mean, Garrett's like the, the only the guy I can think it. of. Was it like Garrett no. Nicolik's old car or something like that? I don't know. He still drives FD today. There's my clue. Still drives FD today. It would have been an R33 and Forrest would have done it. So either, I'm trying to think of anybody that would have been Las Vegas based. Who the hell had an R33? <laughs> Man, you're like digging back to some deep knowledge here. Um, only other, no, Jeff Jones had an S14. I used to do stunt shows for these guys when they were drifting these cars. That's how I know them. Stunt shows are drifting for these guys. Man, I don't know. I got nothing. I'm going to kick so, myself. Yeah, because as soon as I tell you, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> um, so it's Literal's old R33. Oh, shit. If, I, yeah. <laughs> I was talking to him today, too. He's going to kill me. Ah, so Literal's yeah, old sense. R33 showed up at my house to get built with a 2J in it. <laughs> with a 2J in it. Oh, hope you got photos of that. I'm gonna need those later. <laughs> uh, I have a there's a great video on Anton's like Instagram. He literally so after we're all done, right? He has it in the trailer, and he says uh, like you walk in the trailer and he's like, hey, so I I have my uh, my drift car and I brought it to Rome. It's an R33, and I asked him to make it more reliable, and this is what he did. And he opens a hood and it's a two J in it, <laughs> and that's the whole video clip. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's that's Anton throwing shade. That's not you throwing shade. So we're good. We're in the clear. I just thought just, it was funny. I was I, like, oh, jeez. Uh, that was right when like the rad Dan, like, uh, yeah, the, like the whole thing it. was going on. It oh was man, that was timing. that was so great when that was going on. I loved it because like Ryan, I really didn't think Ryan cared. He was just like, no, I'm here for the memes, man. Like, I'll just <laughs> I don't think either this. one like, of them cared. I no. think he just got crazy out of hand and they just fed it. <laughs> They did, yeah. I think they both, like, there was probably, like, a private DM or, like, are you cool if we keep going? And it's like, yep. I'm like, all right, let's go. And then, because <laughs> why wouldn't you, right? Like, 
It built oh, so much attention. It was it was very proper. Was, oh, from like yeah, from the marketing perspective, nothing could be better. Like that's yeah. like so well done. Yeah, I should have known. I was like trying to dig too deep. I should have went surface level, but yeah. Yeah. That's well, funny. Andy, I think Andy was probably one of Ryan's first sponsors also. Right, right. Yeah, because so. I would have been way, way back. Damn. Okay. Way back. Like before I knew what drifting was. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which is funny because like when I spoke to Odie, it turns out that Ryan literal got Odie into drifting. And I'm like, what? Like drift buffet time, like way back in the day. Yeah. Like, like end of 90s, like before it's- I had a license. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny because like if you look at Ryan, like I don't I don't know how old Ryan is, but I always think him and I are like the same age at like 32, 33 area. But I don't I think he's older than that. He just doesn't care and doesn't age. So I think that's I think that's what it is. He could be like 50 and I'd have no idea. <laughs> that's wild. Huh. Yeah. Damn, you're like w- way more connected so. with all this than I ever thought. Because like for being like a new guy to this, like it it definitely goes pretty deep. There's just a lot of a lot of like driving i guess in socal so that's kind of how i got thrown into it i mean that's, oh that's anyways a fair point the whole reason for yeah. that whole story was that's how i got the second bmw so send it sally my my practice car my street car right um that came from anton's buddy from russia wanted to buy a car so he could drift with anton in it so he bought this car from carson which is now my spotter the super tall guy he's like six yeah. ten or whatever yeah. uh <laughs> so he, yeah the tall guy we call him cell tower so, anyways, uh, cell tower up there. Uh, he see over. Uh, he stands over there, and all the spotters are standing there, and you just see a head. And I'm oh, like, no. there's my guy. I, I've like <laughs> given him high fives, and I have to like reach up to do it. So he's a good well, guy. He's super quiet too. <laughs> well, Josh uh, Robinson would do that to James. So I give him a high five, and to be like really high high fives. And then yeah. he, Josh tried to do it to Carson, and Carson got him by like four inches. Oh, I forgot how tall Josh so. Robinson was too. Yeah. Yeah, so it's all super funny, but uh, that's how I got that car. Basically, he bought it to tandem with Anton, and then he ended up going back to Russia, and he's like, do you want the car? I was like, um, sure. So that's, I like inherited Send It Sally. Uh, okay, okay, got it. Do you name all your cars? Um, I haven't named the one series yet. Okay, got it. But I, I named that car, so yeah, I've Send It Sally, which is that one, and then yeah. Kadu is the pro car. And Kadu okay. is actually, some people know because there's actually a stuffed animal inside the car, but Kadu is the name of a yellow duck that a princess rides in the show One Piece. Ah, gotcha. So I was into One Piece. I was watching One Piece trying to get all caught up at that time. And um, yeah, the princess rides like a super fast duck. It's like, like he gets beat up and shot and just gets back up and keeps going. And uh, we were supposed to paint the car yellow. And my buddy painted it yellow, so we called it Kadu. But the problem was is that it was so hot outside that when it dried, it dried green. And that's how the car actually ended up green. It was never supposed to be green. It was supposed to be like a highlighter yellow. Because you were going to do like Days of Thunder, right? Like was pretty that, much. Was like, the ye- okay, got it. That, that was pretty much the color scheme we were going for. It just turned out solid green. And we're like, well, we're running green now. <laughs> Instead of reshooting it, like that's. I've never heard of that yeah. before, but yeah, I guess if you're going highlighter, it's not that far off from one to the other. So no, so if it's too cold when you shoot highlighter, supposedly it turns yellow, and when it's too hot when you shoot highlighter um, in the paint booth, it turns green, which we found mm. out because it was like 118 in the paint booth. <laughs> so it problems. turned green, and then it was super fun. Well, this is more in like Palm Springs desert area, but same thing. Okay. But then he, uh, I felt really bad for him because he was my roommate at the time. 
he didn't want to scratch the hood or leave any marks. So he left the hood pin clamps and the hood pins off. And when he drove it down the street to like go to the other place, the hood came up and smashed the windshield and pulled up the hood and everything. So that's why we really never had a green hood. Um, <laughs> we had the chalkboard hood because it, literally the brand new hood got destroyed immediately. Oh, and then we wow. went to a black roof because yeah. the black roof could hide all the messed up roofs. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Hides hides all the dents from from hood flipping. I feel like I feel like it's a rite of passage to have a drift car have its hood flip up. Like there I was I've two had it this weekend. Really? At Hop Yeah, at Hop at Hop Hit, two of them. Uh, yeah. it was bad. Uh Don Belime went whap, whap, whack, and then pulled over. And then Brewski went whack in the lead, and he just sent it. He just I continued to drive. And then it literally bro- like it broke off and then took off over the fence. So, yeah, it was, it was not, pretty crazy for sure. I'm not shocked by Brutsky doing that at all. Like, that doesn't, he's, he just doesn't seem like he would care at all. He's just like, yeah, okay. Just, I don't have to look forward anyways. I just have to look sideways. So, yeah, it was good. He's a hell of a driver, also. He's super talented. Oh, he's so. a weapon of a driver. I'm, I'm still, like, I know he's talked about not moving up to pro a couple of times, but like, I would still, I would still like to see him do it. I think he's got, I mean, the last couple of, like, this last season wasn't amazing, but, um, I still think he has the ability to do it. And once he, he makes that jump, I mean, you of all people know, like your driving escalates when you start driving with the pro guys. Like it has well, to. Yeah. My first year, I never made out of top 32. I saw Vaughn six times in one year. Yeah. In top great. 32. That'll humble never you real quick, huh? Never made it past it. But I one more timed him every single <laughs> time. <laughs> I had six one more times. We won like the most one more times. And it was all Jeez. me and Vaughn. Was your, was your first year on federal as well? Uh, I was on federal. So my first year was a pretty messed up year. That was that COVID year. Which right, was like, right. Like half a quarter of drive. a year, or like half a year. And like some drivers showed up. Some We didn't have some driver. It was, I don't know if you want to even call that a year. Like it was very wacky. It was a weird it was, year. It's it like, like an three asterisk. tracks. Yeah, it was like yeah. three tracks, like double date. And then like they added a fourth track at the end. Like, okay, we'll do it. And I mean, I know why they did it. And it totally made sense. And I'm super grateful that they did. Because if not, yeah. like we wouldn't have done anything. And that would have been super boring. So I'm glad that they did, but it was, you know, it was a struggle for us. So that year I ran federal and then the next year, which was last year, we also ran federal. You're, you're the only person I've ever seen, like, and this is nothing like against federal in particular, but they definitely were the, like, I don't want to, I don't want to like ever hate on somebody that helps support the sport, but they were the, they, somebody has to be the least competitive and they were the least competitive, but somehow you milked. So much performance out of those tires where no one else could. And like, I remember Utah last year I was filming and there were chunks coming off in the last corner. And like, I could see you riding out on sparks across the line. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that dude got every, every penny out of those tires. That's probably the first lap too. It might've been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times I didn't make a second lap. Were you just like towing the car in like crazy to just try and get the bite out of them? Like, what did you, what did you do to, to make it happen? So I made sure that, uh, like wheel speed and track mm. speed, actual speed was very, very close, which if anyone okay. has ever drove really close, it's very hard to keep the car spinning. Yeah. But like keep the wheel spinning so you don't die. Cause if you grip up, you, you just off track. Yeah. But there's not enough grip in the tire at the time to have that happen. So I was like barely overpowering the tire at the whole track. And I was okay. keeping wheel speed really low. I wasn't warming them up in the burnout box. Um, and I wouldn't load the tire. So mm. 
you know when you throw the car in, like if there's like a gyroscope that like swings, I basically would not rely on the tire to change my direction. I'd basically start changing direction and then lay on throttle. So oh, okay. I, I basically lengthened my gas pedal to make it really long throw so I could slowly pedal on. Because the Magnuson blower, like normally when you hit it, it's it's full power. It makes yeah. like 960 foot pounds of torque before 3,000. Like it's ridiculous <laughs> power. So uh, we basically change it to the biggest pulley to slow the blower down as much as we can. And we legitimately drove last year on about 620 to 680 horsepower the whole year. Okay. Because the tires couldn't handle it. So yeah. we had to make sure it was more important for us to make two laps than it was to uh, be super fast because like super fast didn't work. Yeah. So, huh, so certain tracks, like small tracks, I could drive okay. But I mean, yeah. Chelsea like school bus gapped me in Seattle. I mean, just God, I don't even know if we we're on the same lap anymore. Like, <laughs> you know, back in the day, like 04 when drifting started, they have to zoom out so far. Yeah, and the like, cameras, they're both yeah. on the bank and the, the thing like can't zoom out any farther than the guys like trying to go. That's having how we, to that's like decide. Yeah. They had to decide that they fall in the chase car, the lead car. <laughs> they could not zoom out far enough when I chase uh, people or like when I chase Vaughn, like, no. And I felt bad yeah. for people chasing me because. I, I, I try and drive consistent, right? As consistent as I possibly could. But I had no idea how, how, many tire, how much tire I was going to have left by the time I entered, even the first yeah. turn sometimes. So it was you made quite, it work, a, though. It's quite like, questionable. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure the jump now to the, to the Vitors or Vitor, Vitor, however you want to pronounce it, um, has been crazy. Like those, when those first came out, I know there's like drivers who want me to stop talking about how good they are because like they're they're good tires, but like it's, so they they are yeah, but they're not magical. Like no 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 no. Like, but like, like have you ran on a Nitto? I mean, bro, like those are magic. Yeah, <laughs> there's a different scenario going on, but it's also the size of the tire, and I feel like they're pretty competitive all the way around. Now, yeah. a lot of people said I was super fast, but you have to keep in mind I came from. A very, very, very slow tire. So for yeah. me to be fast, like it could have been five percent better or one percent better, and it would have been fast. But yeah, I was only fast at certain tracks, certain tracks that I had dialed in. Like Long Beach, mm -hmm. I was quick on, and that's what everyone said. Like I had a lot of pace, but it it wasn't like like magical pace. It just I had to spend so much time carrying so much momentum on the old tires that mm -hmm. once I threw new tires on the same chassis setup, the chassis was fast. Mm. So also this year, because I went to the aluminum block, I was able to lose 100 pounds out of the front. So losing 100 pounds and being able to make two laps are two huge, like, that's yeah. a win for me. <laughs> I, I, from what it seems like, they're just, they seem like very consistent throughout temperature ranges that like, just, just like watching how, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong or if you have more input, no. obviously you're driving the car. I'm just an armchair quarterback here, but like, it looks like they, they hold the heat really, really well. Cause like where I've seen delays between first run and second run, the guys on the, on the Vitors are able to launch really, really well. Whereas other tires seem to maybe drop the temperature really quick and lose that stickiness. Whereas the Vitors seem to hold it for a longer period of time. Like even... Even seeing the cars come back into the pits, how hot those tires still look, but still holding together. So we did have problems with delaminating. Um, like, I mean, all of us, and I don't even, yeah. I don't think it was just Vitor. I think all drivers in general mm -hmm. uh, were hardcore struggling in Utah. 
Yeah. Like, like we could not, um, we basically could got, not figure, it like was we hot could not too. figure out how to get two laps out of the tires. I mean, yeah. I, so I ran a pretty high wheel speed. Well, a normal wheel speed for Utah <laughs> yeah. when we were in practice and my first lap, I run a lap, I come back and I'm like, cool. Am I good to go out? And they're like, no, no, we got to change tires. And I'm like, were those scrubs? And they're like, no, they were brand new. And I had, I was all the way down to cables on my first lap on my first pass. I mm. was like, Oh, this is going to be bad. Like I can't even make one lap out of them. So we just had yeah. to keep going down in wheel speed until we finally got the things to work. So, is, and all the, all the drivers are battling something different. Like the Nittos have their plus and minuses, like Vitor have their plus and minuses. GT has their plus and minuses. Kenda has their, mm-hmm. their plus and minuses. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I was trying saying. to figure, I was trying to figure that out, but I mean, yeah. they, and, and all the tire manufacturers are honestly trying to make the tires better. Like they, they yes. legitimately are. And the part that was really sad about federal, not to go back, but the part that's sad about federal was that they had a really, really, really good tire. Mm. Like it actually worked. And then the factory burned down. Mm. And then ever since then, the tires would delaminate, they would come apart and you get batches of them. And we wouldn't even know what batches we are. Like I got so good at knowing, like I look at the stamp date on the manufacturer date and there's certain numbers I'd avoid. And certain ones I knew I could possibly get, like I had a, a higher chance of getting two laps out of these than I would out of those. So I'd save certain numbers and be like, all right, these ones are for top four, like save these. These ones we can run in top eight. These ones I don't know if we can run in qualifying. These ones we can run. And it, it's funny because uh, I went to LS Fest East and out there you run two laps back to back and yeah. really delaminated on entry on the first lap. And I did not qualify. I double zeroed. Hmm. <laughs> like I did not qualify in LS Fest. I could not put a lap together. That's so crazy. It, it's, you know, you, you just, it's kind of a gamble back then. So I'm super, super happy on the, the Vitors because they're much more confident to get two laps out of them. Mm-hmm. But like you said, you know how they get a lot of heat in them. Any tire, once it gets to a certain temperature range, they actually come apart because that's right. like the, the level that they're glued at. So the problem with the Vitors is you can overheat them. So if you notice, I won't spend a lot of time in the burnout box. I just kind of scrub them in a little bit in the rear, warm up mm. the fronts, send it. Mm. So And then other tires, like the Nittos, if you watch them, they do like a four-minute burnout, basically. I know they only have 30 seconds, but they do a huge yeah. burnout <clears throat> because they have to get through a, like a layer of like release uh, molding yeah, and release compound. Agent. And once yeah. you get through the release compound, then they're sticky and they're good. But if, well, you've, you can, if you you've can ever see them seen smoke them launch— yeah, yeah, because in the burnout box, they're turning, they like spin around. Yeah. And they have zero traction. And then once they kind of get it grippy, they'll go. But if you ever try and launch the Nittos super cold, they don't go anywhere. Nothing. Like huh. nothing, like just absolutely nothing. So every tire, that's what's like good about trying to stay with the same tire over and over and running it consistently um, is because you know the characteristics of that tire. So as I'm coaching a lot of the pro-am drivers or even some of the pro like drivers that are jumping up, they're like, what can I do to be, you know, like more consistent? And I said, run the same tire. I don't care if it's a cheap tire. I don't care if it's like whatever it is, just consistently run the same tire. And that's what Taka told me when I was coming up. I'm like, mm-hmm. what can I do? And he's like, just run the same tire. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what size. But if you run the same tire, now you're not wasting laps trying to figure out tire pressure and figuring out how far the car is going to slide. Mm-hmm. You can literally just put a tire on and run it and you know, you know, you know that the car works. Yeah, I think that's like some of the easiest advice to give anybody who's like trying to trying to like just get better is just 
that tire consistency. Like, like you said, if it's, if they're cheap, if they're $60 tires, if you can still find those nowadays, I have no idea. Um, or if they're, you know, are triple eights cause you're a baller and just like flexing on everybody, like <laughs> run the same set of tires every time whenever possible. Yeah. It saves yeah. so much head, so much time on the track, and it saves your guys a lot of time. You just set them at whatever that uh, you know tire pressure. You're like, oh, set them at 24. You're good to go because you've yeah. already figured that out. So that's yeah. a huge thing for pro for new drivers or pro am drivers is to try and drive consistently on the same setup and the same the same uh, tires. I mean, if you if you can do it, I mean, if you if you're really making a push from pro am uh, from pro am up to pro spec, like get on. I mean, get on the GTS as soon as you can, like. You're going to, the more time you well, can you get on those. You know you're going to run on them anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Like if that's, if that's your goal, if you're running, if you're running pro-am and like you don't legitimately want to make that jump up, run whatever you feel like running. But like, if that's your plan and that, and the GT rule is still in place, you might as yeah. well start running what you're going to be running next year if everything goes well. So that's if what actually, that's actually what we would do. So the guys who would win pro-am were on one, mm. two, three S's. Like <laughs> those those are magic tires, though. Those, I mean, yeah. those so that's, are, that's different. That's witchcraft. <laughs> so that's what's funny because people are like, oh, the Vitors are they're cheater tires. They're so good. Dude, me and Kevin do tire testing. Like, I've done yeah. actual tire testing with him just to see what the tire would do. Nowhere near a 123S. Nowhere near the Valino and nowhere near the 123S. The so Valinos like, are a whole other category. And then like, if you go the SPs, dude, yeah. tries to break your car. Like yeah. my thousand horsepower car lugged, like it would not go. And I, I all the way turned up makes like a thousand seventy to the wheels and yeah. it lugged the car. Like, dude, it's, it's crazy. Like, seeing what the guys, 265. Yeah. <laughs> seeing what the guys do over in Europe, like was such a, yeah. like a just mind altering experience. I was going around to pits and just sticking my thumbnail in tires for fun. Like no idea who these guys are. And just like, mm, what are these extremes? Hey, eh? oh, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, Zaleski's on the extremes and he said, they're really good. Like, yeah, said, do you wild. know how they make them? No, dude, you, you'll never get this. So I don't know if this is true. This is just what I was told, but yeah. supposedly they go to all the local like racetracks and after formula one and all the guys are done testing on the Pirelli's, they take yeah. all the old Pirellis and they melt them down and turn them into recaps. And XLs or extremes are technically recapped tires, but they're recapped with Pirelli uh, race slick material. <laughs> that would not shock me. Like, I'm actually curious, like when, like when somebody is going to make like a, a an affordable recap tire. Like, obviously, we're talking about the extremes. If this is all true, but like, like for you know, a 205 or a guy's running a 215 or 235 or something. So like, we run recaps in Poland. That's all we really? run. Mm -hmm. I so don't know why all, that hasn't made its that, way. That's this all way. we run. And they're way cheaper. They're like, yeah, of course, 40 to $60 US. I think they just get such a bad rep. Like people think like, oh, they're just going to delaminate. And I'm like, well, listen, treat your tires properly. <laughs> like if your setup's right, if the track's got a water pit, like, Mm -hmm. You know, if you're running a, if you're running a stock Z, like, why wouldn't you, if you're running a stock BMW, why wouldn't you? And delaminate compared to what? Y exactly. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> I'd rather delaminate a $40 tire than a $150 tire any day of the week. I'd rather, mm -hmm. I'd rather delaminate three $40 tires than $150 tire. So I can confidently say I've, as far as I know, I've never seen, uh, uh, recap tire delaminate at least in Poland when I've been driving there. I've drove there three yeah. times this year. Yeah, we need to get to that too. I mean, your okay. <laughs> schedule is 
nuts. Like, I feel like we talk about, like, James Dean's schedule and Chelsea Denofa and all these guys, but, like, low-key, you may still have one of the busiest schedules on the grid. <laughs> I was going through your YouTube, and I'm like, where haven't you been this year? Yeah, we've been a lot of places. So yeah, Japan is my next next goal of destination. I really, really, really want to drive in Japan. That's like my yeah. next one. That's um, that's bucket list for but, any. That's that's on mine too. Like don't don't worry. Yeah. So I mean, <sighs> I've been there, which is crazy, but I've been there for stunt riding, and I did stunt shows for uh, people at the multiplex that had the big like drift event in downtown Tokyo. So that was super mm-hmm. cool. I got to experience it, but I want to be the driver side, not the stunt riding side. Yeah. Well, soon. I mean, so you've done. You've done Poland this year. I mean, so obviously, new, hot so pit, everything else Zealand. going on in the U.S. Yeah. So, New Zealand, Poland. Um, where else did I go? There's somewhere else I went. But you're still driving hot uh, pit. Canada. Yep. Uh, hot, yeah, I, I drive hot pit. Well, that, that one's over. But yeah. I, mean, I drive a but lot of events. Like, we FD, drive... yeah. We drive probably... Uh, I don't think I've had a free weekend yet this year, and I I probably drive a hundred days a year, which which is all based off of the the Chelsea Denofa device or advice of fifty days fifty days a year, which yeah, that's what he told me at SEMA. Year one, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. the goal. I'm like, oh, that's it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, and then seventy three days later, you're like, okay, well, I've passed yeah. that. What do I do next? Yeah, it was but pretty I, good. But I mean, you're you're a testament to that. Like you, you know. You had only been driving a couple of years, go into, you know, get your pro two license. You did, was it, it was just one year pro two and then into pro. It was like one full year of pro-am. I had a, I had kind of a year in 17 of pro-am, but it was, right. I didn't even have an LS the whole time. And then when I did swap, I had a five, three and I literally won my pro-am license with a five, three with a cam in it. Like nice. It made 355 horsepower to the wheels. Um, and that was super funny story. Didn't have any money at the time or anything to get a car, to get a motor. And I was playing golf at the time, and I had won a, like a golf bag in a tournament. And a guy was coming over to get the golf bag, just a Callaway golf bag. And his son saw my RC cars because I used to race RC cars when I was smaller. And his son's like, "I want them." Like, "Dad, Dad, like those? I want those cars." And I'm like, "Oh, they're kind of expensive." And jokingly, he's like, "Well, dude, like you know, like what do you need? Like, can we trade something for him?" And me jokingly was like, yeah, I need an LS for my my drift car. And he's like, do you have an engine an engine puller? And I'm like, <laughs> like an engine crane thing? I was like, yeah, why? He's like, dude, my buddy drunk just smashed my truck. Uh, he had like a halfway built trophy truck into a telephone pole. He's like, it has a 5.3 with a cam in it. Do you want it? Like they're going to, like insurance already paid it off. I was just going to scrap it anyways. I was like, are you, like, are you for real? Are you serious? He's like, yeah, like come get it. So we're like, done so I, I sent a, a guy i never met before except for to buy a golf bag on offer up i sent him with my engine crane and i'm like i hope this thing comes back <laughs> harbor freight special and uh yeah two days later he called me he's like hey give me one more day i'll have it all the way out and and pulled apart and um you don't need the trans right i'm like is it manual he's like no it's automatic i'm like no and uh that's how i got my first five three and Damn. then i ran that for two years won my pro two license on it and then Schaefer put it in his car, and Schaefer's <laughs> beat that thing up for the next, like, three or four years. And now it's supercharged, and no one's opened it yet. <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't know anything about this motor. But I just said, don't let the magic out. Just leave it closed. Yeah, no, yeah, don't let it out. Don't open he, it. Once you open tried it, you to might blow find something. He tried to blow wow. it up. It couldn't blow it up. <laughs> so, 5-3 for the win. 
Wow, that's that is wild. Well, speaking speaking of blown engines, let's let's walk oh, through no. the debacle that is Utah. Cause like, dude, I stopped <laughs> in at your pits. I like five or like normally I'll stop and say hi maybe once or twice over a weekend. I was yeah. I was going back for like hourly updates, and I'm like, hey, where's the engine? Where are we at, boys? Like I was so invested in this whole story. Dude, it was so crazy. So uh, how it was set up too is that we had um, we had that motor built. So that's technically right. a Comp Cams RHS uh, race motor. And I've always wanted an aluminum block mainly because it's 100 pounds lighter. It's a lot faster uh, as far as like being able to fix it because you don't have to put a new block. Like if you punch a hole or you mess up something, you can weld and fix it, right? So I was like, okay, cool. This this would be good. Like this is what I want. Uh, comp helped us out a lot with it. Um and we actually started building this thing, I think, starting COVID. So it took us like two years to get all the parts for this. Because during COVID, you couldn't get parts for anything. So it yeah. took us like two years to put it all together to get the parts. We got all the parts for it. We're really happy with it. Uh, Greg down at Millennium Motorsports did all the machine work and assembly and built the motor for us. So we're super happy to put it in this year. We knew we were going to lose 100 pounds and gain like two or 300 horsepower. Because we went from a 6 liter to a 7 liter. And there was nothing really wrong with my 6 liter. I had a collapsed lifter, so I did have a dead hole on seven. So he's like, let me just refresh the motor for you. Mm. So uh, he basically refreshed it. It was good to go. And that motor lasts four years. Basically, a Pro 2, I put it in. So I ran it Pro 2, then uh, Pro 1, Pro 1. So I guess, no, I guess three years. It was three years in the car. And so we put the new motor in. It ran great. It was good. We ran it, you know, Long Beach. Well, Long Beach and then uh, Super Drift and then a couple other events in between and then some demos and then all the FD schedule till Utah. And in Utah, I was coming around Outer Zone 3 and all of a sudden it turned into a, a Subaru. It basically like lost all power and just sounded like sounded like I was unequal length. Something was very bad. Yeah. And it fell on his face. And I'm like, guys, we're in trouble. So my guys pull a spark plug out and the end of the spark plug is missing. So he pulls another one out. Another one is missing. And he's like, this isn't good. So pull starts pulling spark plugs out. Four of them were damaged. Four of them were okay. So we put a compression tester in no compression cylinder one, number three, no compression cylinder three, number four. And this is in practice right before qualifying. Yeah. So there's not a lot of time to swap a motor. We're not Papadakis. We can't do it in 35 minutes. Like, we're not swapping an LS in 35 minutes. Plus, we don't have one to swap. So we go to cylinder uh, cylinder five, which is all in the same bank, right? The left bank. That one had 60. And then the one behind it had, I think, like 40 or 50. So I'm like, left bank down. Let's check right bank. Uh, like 160 or something, 200, which I was like, that's kind of too high, but whatever. Something's weird. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay. I'm, it's got pressure. We good? Yeah. Uh, 80 and then 60. And I'm like, so we have two good holes. Yeah. Two questionable holes, <laughs> two bad holes, and two empty holes. So the two completely bad holes, we didn't want to blow up a motor. You know, we didn't want to grenade it. Mm-hmm. So we took the spark plugs, pulled the spark plugs out, unplugged the coil packs, unplugged the, the, uh, the injectors. Injector. And we ran hole one and three, which if you understand the firing order, it the last firing order on an LS is a three. The first one is a one. So we basically lost like companion cylinders that fire together, like one after each other, full dead hole for two uh-huh. holes in, a, in the same cycle. So imagine like fire, 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 dead hole, dead hole, fire, 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 dead hole, dead hole. So it's a hard off when it goes to uh-huh. dead hole. 
So two open holes, two hurt holes, two okay holes, and two good holes. And uh, that's how we qualified on. We think now after looking back, it made like low 400s. Um, my team just, we didn't have time to figure out anything. So that's how we ran it. My team put the uh, little air pumps. We had, we borrowed another one. Um, and we had two of them on the rear tires going as high as we possibly can until they <laughs> called us to go out. I don't know what we ended up at, like 50, 60 something. Just and man. we're like, he's like, it's going to be slippery, but you're going to send it. And it was funny because in practice, we were entering about 111 miles an hour because I was one of the only guys not using e-brake and not really using foot brake either. I just hard flick yeah, because um, the judges really liked it. So, uh, But on my entry in qualifying, I was like 74 miles an hour. <laughs> so I was a good like 40 miles an hour slower. And oh. I just remember going and I'm like, this is taking a long time to get to the end of the straightaway. <laughs> And it sounded so bad because I have so much, like I build a lot of my cars. So I have so much mechanical sympathy for them that I know when any little thing's wrong. And this in the driver's seat was like <laughs> idling. And then because it's a blower car, it was idling like 3,500, which is way too high. But we couldn't oh. figure out why. But because it was sucking air past the cylinders on the open holes, it was sucking it into the blower and putting it in other holes. It was just oh revving up because it was sucking air past the uh, past the butterfly. It was like and just, almost like runaway. It was like almost like a it run, was like yeah. a runaway diesel. Like it was like yeah. just dieseling. And when you shut yeah. off, it still run. And I'm like, get the block of wood out. Like yeah. actually, and, that wouldn't even work. Yeah, holy no. shit. And everyone's looking around like, what is that sound? And I back this thing up. It's like, and I remember like Mario from Stefan's team, like, yeah. oh yeah send it i mean it was so bad and um yeah it was it was definitely a very very rough time um we made up a lap which i don't know how we made a lap and at that moment we actually qualified the 15th yeah and that was super like i don't even know how i drove the car because it was so scary in my head and then my guys told me like, okay, if you see fire, shut it down because that means that it's coming, that oil's coming out of there and getting just dumping onto the header. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, okay. And I go up to the line, I shut it off. And Soap was like, takes his headphones off. He's like, okay. He's like, you ready? I fire it up and you can see him in the live stream. Like, <laughs> what is that? I give him the thumbs up. Like we're sending it. <laughs> so I didn't even give him the chance to tell me like, no, 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 no. I'm like, fire it up and go. And, uh, yeah, we literally just took off and, and made the pass. And it's funny cause that's the second time, uh, cause in St. Louis, we lost a clutch right before qualifying, like right, right. before qualifying. And it wasn't actually a clutch. It was actually the slave cylinder, um, the O-ring tore and was l- bleeding out the bottom. So I started in gear and that, if you watch the, the reruns, I'm literally, I can't even do the burnout cause the burnout box is so small. I'm like in the dirt, like rally line, trying to get back up on super bad. I come up to Sopa and I shut the car off and stall the car. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Just let me know when. <laughs> so I put it in second and I started in second. So luckily Utah, I mean, St. Louis is a little bit downhill before you start flat. Yeah. That downhill got me rolling. That's why it's such a like hard start. Cause I'm literally in second gear starter on and like hold up it's like and it starts going 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 and that's what got me started around the chicane and then i just flat-footed shifted third and then just like blip shift fourth and then i had no clutch but the scary part is the last corner there you pull e-brake 
Yeah. But I couldn't e-brake because you can't clutch. And then you can't clutch kick and you can't downshift. So if you notice my run, I like hard left foot brake one way and then left foot brake the other way and like just drive around hammered down. I'm like, I hope this thing works. Oh my God. (laughs) So twice I have to qualify with super questionable setups. Like But you still qualified. Oh my god. Yeah. So it was it was pretty funny. But that was the scenario there. So then uh, I, I called up, well, Bryant, my, my crew guy, was like, hey, what do we need? I'm like, we need an engine. So we're in Utah now. We need an engine. We're far. We're 16 hours from home. Like, we need an engine. So I called Greg, and Greg's like, yeah, like, I can, I can put this other 6.0 back together for you. I'm like, please do. He's like, how much time do you have? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm going to find someone to come get it. So one of his really good buddies actually helped us out. He left vegas and drove south from vegas to temecula met greg at three in the morning they put the motor in the truck they drove back to my house to grab the new the the other supercharger because this motor is an ls3 like right. base and my new one's an ls7 so the blowers don't bolt on so he picked up the blower from my house at like four in the morning and straight drove the rest of the way it was like 36 or 37 hours total trip all the way back up into utah Delivered the motor super late at night. We put that in. We got it all together, back together at like 6 a.m. in the morning. We have to drive at 7. So this motor is undynoed, untuned. And there's a couple people from uh, different groups. I don't, I don't want to give them away, but that came over and literally helped us tune the car like in the middle of the night on yeah. an engine stand and like, or, I mean, on, a, uh, on jack stands to try and get it somewhat close. We, we thought we had it close. We thought we had timing <clears> correct. <throat> And then I went for a, like a Holly Hail Mary. So on Holly's tuning system, you can do self-learn. Holly yeah. self-learn. Hello. So Nikki. Holly Hail Mary. Yeah, because Nikki's not a tuner either, bro. We're trying to convert this from seven liter back to six liter, not blow another motor up. So we guess 18, 18 degrees of timing. We're like, this should work. So put 18 degrees in timing in. And as we start to like go out there, um, we we literally had uh, the drive out to the hot pit to tune this thing. So I'm like making a pull and then he's like, self-learn, accept. Make a pull, self-learn, accept. Second gear, pull, self-learn, oh accept. Gosh. Third gear, self-learn, accept. Fourth gear, self-learn, accept. So then my first, because you know we have an hour of practice, so you only get about two laps. So my first practice run, we had the laptop in the passenger seat, made a pass with it strapped in. And then at the bottom, <laughs> self-learn, boom. And then you know how you have to drive the long way back? I would yeah. do pulls in the long way back to self-learn, 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 self-learn. And we're like getting closer, getting closer. We're like, oh, this is good, this is good. We run it again. And then, oh, oh yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good. Like, And then we had to run uh, Brandon. And I talked to their guys, and he's like, yeah, we're turned all the way up. I'm like, okay, we're not. Yeah. Uh, we'll try our best. And, I mean, dude, Brandon, hell of a driver. Like, you're probably not going to beat him hurt, so – it's, uh, we gave it a, a good run, a good try, uh, but it's, you know, it just wasn't enough. And we came back Monday and, or I got back Sunday night and Monday, uh, my buddy Ish and, and Eric over at West Tech were like, Hey, bring it over. Like, dude, just we'll, we'll get you dialed in. We'll tune it. No problem. He throws it on the dyno and he makes a pull and he just laughs. He like looks at me <laughs> like, bro, what? I'm like, what? He's like, dude, it says 18 degrees of timing, which you guys did good. Like, this is all safe. This is works. He's like, but look at the dyno number. It made four ninety eight on the dyno. <laughs> it made the same, it made like the same <laughs> as the hurt seven liter. 
<laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, dude, it made 498, bro. And it made like oh 380 foot pounds of torque. Like oh you were better God. taking the blower off the motor. And I'm like, what is going on with this? What we found out later on is because um, because of the crank, I had I had Greg swap the crank, um, like the, the uh, electric wheel on the crank, because the old harness and the old, like a stock 6.0 is a 24X. Right. But the LS7 is the, what is it, 58X? Sure. 56X, whatever, 50-something 50, 50 X, the newer yeah. X. And uh, it's on the front. So I was like, can you change the timing cover and change the relector wheel so I don't have to change engine harnesses? Because mm. I didn't want to, I didn't have enough time to try and re- rewire an entire harness. So okay, they, they take, instead of five volt, they take 12, 12 volt reference. So I'm like, yeah. uh, and they're in a different spot. One's in front, one's in the bottom of the motor, one's in the back, one's at the top. Like it was too much work. So he swapped that all over for me. And we found out later on that uh, it was six degrees because you know, 360 degrees around the crank. It was barely a tiny bit off, which is good for six degrees off, which is six degrees less timing. So you so weren't running of, 18. <laughs> I was running like 12. <laughs> so we're like, oh, no, can we have a baseline for the motor when we ran it before? So we're like, this thing should make like eight something on the dyno, no problem. Yeah. So Ish is like, let me just power, uh, what do you call it? Call it like power time it. So he ran a pull and then added two degrees. Ran a pull, he's like, then it went to 600. He's like, oh, I love that. Put another two degrees. Then it made 700. Put another two degrees. Made like 800. Put another two degrees. Made like 890. Put another two degrees. Still made 890. So we're like, put another two degrees. Still made 890. So he took all the extra degrees back out. So it says 24 degrees of timing, but that 24 degrees is the same as 18 degrees as it was before. So we were literally running with a motor that made under 500 horsepower and was just hurting in pro one, like trying to chase down Brandon. Yeah, at at altitude. altitude. (laughs) Trying to chase down a a blower car with a nitto on it, like not going to happen. So that night, though, we were finally done. This is like 11 o'clock at night. We're like, yeah, car's good. It's solid. So he's like, cool, I'm going to make like a finished pull. So he kind of like bounces on it and like really, really hard rips it to make sure everything's good. And I smell oil. And I'm like, dude, shut it down. Like, something's wrong, bro. I smell oil. And we look, and there's oil pouring out of the front of the motor. And we're like, what is that? Come to find out that uh, the keyway in the hardened keyway in the crank snapped off and yeah. it was spinning the blower. <laughs> and he looks at the dyno run, and we went from like 16 pounds of boost to, to 12 to, four, to like eight to four to literally no boost. Yeah. And he's like, what? And then sure enough, yeah, we found out that it spun the key, it snapped the keyway, spun the the ATI dampener around the front. So it just ate the snout. Uh. So I called Greg again. I'm like, hey, bro, I got some not so great news. He's like, what? I was like, well, first of all, Motor Great made great power. It's solid. <laughs> Bad news is, I think I need a crank. He's like, what? I'm like, bro. <laughs> Look, I sent him Selfie. photos. <laughs> yep, next to the yep. pulley. I'm like, yay. Yeah. And he's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, what do I do? He's like, you got to pull that motor out. So I stayed all yeah. night that night, and I pulled the motor out of that car. <sighs> Tuesday morning, dropped the motor back off with Greg. He found, put a new crank in it, got it all machined down, put two keyways in it to match the seven liter, and uh, got it back to me on Friday. I put that back in, and now that's the motor back in the pro car. It's iron block. Sick. So uh, it's in, it's alive, it's good for Irwindale. Um, good. Double keyweighed, and I think we're ready to send. So I'm, I'm quite excited. I, how do you, how do you have 
I'm I've been trying to wrap my head around this like forever. Okay. I don't understand how you are always pushing forward. Like I know mm-hmm. I know you have this philosophy of like if you give like have you ever failed at anything you've given everything to, right? And like but you've given everything so many times that like I don't understand how you still have something to give. Like like I said, Texas in Pro 2, you that car should not have gone back out on oh. track. I don't know how they let it cuz like you guys were zip tying <laughs> shit back together. I was there. I saw it. I witnessed. I was standing. I watched you hit, and then I watched you repair that car. There was like ten car, like ten teams helping us put this car back together. Yeah, and we got it all back together, and we slammed. And uh, Sean Adriana, I'll never forget this. He goes to put on the the radiator, like the two hoses on the radiator, right? Goes to put the radiator yeah. hose on. And he's like, "Where's the radiator?" <laughs> we're like, "What?" Dude, the whole radiator like exited the chat. Like exited oh, it the shot car. Off. It went over the wall. Like we're like, what? And then at that time, Brandon and his dad came over and I felt really bad. So I had because I moved on, I ended up winning rookie of the year. Right. And I took it away from Brandon by like barely. So I felt super bad, but it like it, it worked out that way. Is what it is. Then they came over just for like sportsmanship, so people actually know how they are. Dude, they came over and they're like, "Yo, do you need anything?" I'm like, "Yes, can I borrow your cart?" He's like, "Why?" I'm like, "I can't find my radiator." He's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Bro," he's like, "I'll go fight it." So he goes ripping out, and they're like rallying through the crowd, and like through the grass because you know it's all bumpy in Texas. Yeah. So like, yeah. Ka-ka, ka-ka. oh, from the hot pits over to the main yeah, pits. Yeah, the, yeah. Dude, just like bouncing through the grass. <laughs> And they get all the way out there. They find the radiator. They run it back. We slam it on, and it's, and it's good. It holds water. So we push it up, and as we push it up, a screwdriver fell down and punctured the front of the radiator as we push it up. So now we've lost a radiator, oh. like, installing the radiator. And then Sean Adriano is like, I got you. Don't worry. Just keep putting the car back together. So he put the, like, we're pouring water in it. We're putting the car on Jeff Jones's team's on the front side. Dan's team's on the other side. I think Odie's team's on the left. Like, there's people everywhere on this car thrashing to get the car back yeah. together. And uh, he gets to JB Weld, like, crams JB Weld in the in the radiator in the front of it, grabs a torch. And there's, like, water leaking out of it. He's hitting it with the torch, and, like, it just stops leaking. He's oh, like, it's great. we're good. Boom, slams it in, puts it all together. And we get out there because right now, at that point, I was still winning the championship. I was being yeah. tried by, like, seven points, and I qualified higher than him. I'm like, dude, we're going to do this. We're going to win. We're going to get this. And I remember going out on track, and my first battle was um, uh, Donovan Brockaway in the twin turbo, right. like, uh, what's that? What's it? Like Eurofighter, right? Yeah. And I was like, uh oh, okay, he's got big power. Let's see how this is. So uh, at the time, Daryl, my spotter, was like, all right, check it out. So burnout box, I'm like, bro, this thing's great. It drifts left, no problem. I go right, does not drift right. Like, so bent that the car will not. <laughs> Which is. And Which is a problem because that layout, your first turn is a massive right. <laughs> a big, long, sweeping right. So I'm like, oh, no. So Donovan pulls up, and I don't pull all the way to the line. I kind of hang back, and I'm the lead car first. Yeah. I pull up, and Donovan pulls up and like looks at me, and I'm like, I shut the car off, and he's like, what? Because they're doing something. I think there's like a 15-minute like break or something. Oh, okay. So Or a five-minute like commercial break. So I yell to him, and he's like, what? And I get uh, Sopa to come over. I'm like, hey, man. Let him know I'm not trying to mess with him. The car does not want to drift to the right. Give me space. Like, just please give me space. Because I was more worried about wadding up his car. My car already looked yeah. like wrecked dune buggy. I had no body panels. Like, the shit was, was so, TI converted was so in the crazy. rear. Like, taillights were zip-tied to the radiator. Like, it was bad. 
And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, dude, just trust me. Like, I've never screwed you before. Like, just yeah. please give me room. And I'm glad he did. Cause dude, I initiated in and the things like, I look like a fishing lure. Like I was sawing at the wheel. Like the thing's just fluttering around. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and it was okay. He was like staying with me. And then when we swapped, gone. Like, yeah. He made, I don't know, 1,600 horsepower. I couldn't even oh, see Oh, that him. car was like, stupid. Yeah. Yeah. He just checked out. And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll see you on the other side. So, so I, didn't, I didn't get the win. <laughs> no. But, like, to my point, like, okay, so we take that situation, which, fantastic description, because it was, it was a beautiful day. Um, <laughs> then, I mean, and there's probably stuff in between. 2020, your truck and trailer rolls over on the way to event at, like, 2 in the morning. Um you still make it to the event you somehow yeah yeah like, that that was so so here's something kind of funny so my favorite quote is from uh, a philosopher that i don't think he even knows he's a philosopher okay so uh, that's why i like it so much so so tyson in one of his interviews literally said like he, like i remember this whole thing watching it uh, as a kid and i remember the whole part of it but basically it was something to the extent of uh, the announcers are like, hey, like, like, what happened? And I can't remember who he was fighting. I don't know if it was Mayweather or who it was for the championship. But he gets punched in the face and he gets knocked out, basically. He hits the mat and gets knocked out. He's all bleeding. And they're like, like what happened? Like, what was the mindset? Like, how did you get back up and, and do it? Because he ended up going back up and, and winning. And he's like, well, I, I, I got punched in the mouth. And I don't really know, he said. But in, in life, like, everyone has a plan. And then you get punched in the mouth. Hey everybody, Jacob here from the Formula Drift Podcast. We have an awesome deal for you. So if you head over to shopfd.com and use coupon code PODCAST23, you're going to save 20% on any merch. So anything you can find on that website, use PODCAST23 at shopfd.com. Save yourself 20%. Hats, shirts, lanyards, whatever. Just use the code. Save yourself some money. So why not? You know, don't, don't stop listening. Wait till the show's done. But then head over, shopfd.com. Use podcast 23. We'll see you guys out there. And he's like, once I hit the ground and like was bleeding out, only at that time could I really decide who I wanted to be. And he's like, at that moment, I wanted to be a champion. So I stood up and I knocked him out. And like, that's a very crazy, it's a very crazy mindset to wrap your head around. But yeah. <laughs> that's very realistic. Like we all have goals and dreams in our life. And most people, when they get punched in the mouth, like, oh, I'm going to go do this. Oh, this like bill hits or or this financial thing happens or my transmission breaks or my truck, whatever it is, they they people give up. And mm -hmm. I just kind of have known from getting punched so many times that like, okay, this is the punch in the mouth. Like is, I'm basically getting tested. Like how bad do I want it? Because I'm either going to yeah. quit right now and this will be the end of it or I'm going to make this happen. And that was kind of the truck and trailer thing. I mean, I had everything in that truck and trailer. And I, I mean, honestly, I couldn't even afford uh, full coverage insurance on it. So when we flipped the truck and trailer, it was a full loss. I had yeah. nothing. And um, luckily, I, if you back up like three weeks, I had a, a, a guy that is a stunt, like, stunt driver. He hit me up. He's like, hey, man, I know you don't know me. Taka recommended me to you. Um, I want to propose to my fiance. And I would really love to be at like Willow Springs doing a little stunt driving thing and then have you come out and have me and her stand in the middle and be like, hey, they're like, have you drift around us? Like come drift in and then drift around us. And then uh, I want to propose to her. 
And I'm like, oh, all right, like this would be super cool. Like, let's do this. And then th that escalated. So it's like, hey, I'll do it without a door and I'll have the ring with me. And then I'll hand the box off to him behind his back, like as I'm drifting around him, then he'll like propose Damn. to her. Like we did all this thing with a drone up top viewing the whole thing. And that's basically what happened. So I came in, drifted around it, handed him the ring and I kept drifting around him until she like saw it, acknowledged it and then said yes. Like, cause he nailed down on one knee and she said yes. Once she said yes, I like peeled off and went away. <laughs> um, and her whole family was there watching, like her whole family like snuck up behind her. So I had to do a burnout long enough that they, she couldn't see what was going on. It was a really cool experience. Anyways, so I just did that for them. Cause they, they asked like, will you help me? I'm like, yeah, let's go. And uh, randomly when we flipped the truck and trailer just outside of Gillup, New Mexico, which is the middle of nowhere, I get a phone call from him. He's like, yo, at like 6 a.m. Yo, I saw what happened. I'm from Gillup you'll have about 15 people on deck. My family's coming to help you. And like, that was the deciding factor on us being able to pack up all the stuff off the freeway, find all the parts that were scattered down the side of the road and get it all into a new trailer and move on. Um, the other crazy part with that is that during that whole scenario, I got a phone call from uh, Jim Guthrie. And Jim Guthrie is like an old school driver. Like he's been driving a long time. Um, a professional and, and drift in formula drift. And he's basically like, Hey man, like whatever you need, like I, I can get you a trailer. I can get you like whatever needs to happen. We'll make this happen. And yeah. so that's who brought out the truck, the trailer to me. And a guy from enterprise hit me up. It was like, Hey, I heard you, you crashed. Like, do you need a truck? I'm like, yeah. They're like someone incorrectly returned a truck to Gilt, New Mexico. It's in route <laughs> to you. I'll make sure it gets to you. So just oh people gosh. from all over the place like found us and that's how we got back on the road. But I was so committed at that time. Like we were literally talking to the tuner on how can I tune this thing for 91 and street drive it the other 1600 miles. Jesus. So uh, yeah, level of commitment was 100%. We're going no matter what. Like it's, it's just super, I mean, it's, like, I, I feel like anybody who's in any great position has, like, a bucket of these stories. And the difference between the people who are in those great positions and everybody else is that they have these stories because they just figured it out. You know what I mean? Like, everybody I've talked to, like, I've had such an honor of, like, talking to, you know, already some of the greatest in this sport. And they all have these insane stories of, like, the most ridiculous shit <laughs> and you're, and, but the difference is those people just kept going. They figured it out. They kept pushing. And like, that's what, you know, like talking to you about it, I, you and I kind of came up at a similar time. Like I yeah. was working with Sexsmith and Pro 2 at the time. So like, you know, we kind of both moved up in our careers at a similar time. So I've got to like experience it firsthand, which is super cool, but also like devastating and inspiring at the same time. Cause I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, Rome. Like how many times are you going to get hit, man? But like you said, you're like, I got, I got punched in the mouth, but then I, the difference is I got up and kept going. I didn't just, you know, lay back down and say it's over. So. Well, and it was just a full team effort. Like I've basically had the yeah. same people on my team from the beginning. And the crazier part is, is when that happened, um, like we crashed, right? And I had already drove 16 hours. My wife had been driving about two hours when it happened. And she was like, like we had to keep going. Well, I couldn't because I was knocked out and like, concussion so yeah. i was kind of seeing stars and carson my tall guy you know cell tower um he was so tall that he even though he had the seatbelt on he still smashed the front window and like split his head open and was bleeding from there so he couldn't really drive either 
So she got back in the car and drove another like eight and a half hours after the whole like traumatic flipping of a truck and trailer. So she was really like the rock star on that one that got us back going and uh, allowed us to fully get there. So she drove another eight. I jumped in. I drove like eight or six. And then Carson drove the last like six. And we, we, we pulled up in a uh, closed trailer. So like it's an enclosed, but it was for like clothes and like transporting stuff with anchors yeah. through the floor and black <laughs> trash bags of tools and parts just everywhere. And it was probably one of the coolest feelings to show up there because I call. I remember calling Kevin and be like, hey man, um, is there any way I can move my tech appointment? And he's like, bro, <laughs> if you make it, I'll tech you whenever you want. <laughs> like, I, I don't care what time it is. I know we have a strict rule. I'm like, this is your tech time. Like be here for this time. But he's like, bro, if you make it here, I will tech you. I don't care if it's during the <laughs> event. I will tech you. So I was like, thank you, man. I appreciate it. So it was just, the community was so awesome. It was insane. I think a lot of this just like comes back to you just being a nice guy. That like you, you talk to everybody. You're never afraid to like start a conversation with somebody you don't know or barely know. (laughs) You give everybody the time of day. Like I've seen you interact with fans and like, there are times where I'm like, man, like you got shit to do. You got to like wrap this up. And you're like starting another conversation. I'm like, okay. Um, But, but like all of that, comes back and it always comes back in like weird spots. Like you said, like you could have said no to that guy. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't know him, you know, talk recommends, which like that's high praise, but like that's a huge commitment. That's time. That's money out of your pocket to go do something like that. Like you could have said no, but if you would have said no, there's no way in hell you would have made it to that event. So it's like, no, yeah. it's all these weird serendipitous things that all just go back to like, just be nice to people and eventually it'll come back around. It's just always the weirdest times. Yeah, and I try and put myself in their situation. Like growing up, I my parents would always take me to Long Beach Grand Prix, and mm-hmm. so race car drivers were kind of like my like superheroes. Uh, they they were just awesome to me. Like that's what I've always wanted to do. And then when I got a little bit older, I remember like Robbie Gordon jumping from his truck to like Trans Am, and I, I don't know why I remember yeah. his red Trans Am car, but I remember that. I remember the old uh, Marlboro cars. Um, they were always super legendary for me. I remember the old um, Valvoline car. Uh, yeah. I was uh, Alan Sir Jr. driving it. Like I remember, like I remember my dad's favorite driver was Bobby Ray Hall. Bobby so, Ray like, Hall. I, I, yeah. See, so I remember yeah. all these drivers, and they're like super, super impactful to me. And uh, I just try and put myself in that situation for the kids and and for families, and and understand like this means this is a bigger win for me than winning the event. And it's mm. uh, something that that uh, Vaughn said, and it's crazy because. Talking to Vaughn was a mission to just figure out how to get a hold of him and have a, a conversation with him. But uh, once I did, I understand why he is so successful. And one of the biggest things he said is that um, once you get to the event and you're driving, driving is just the reward. Like yeah. it's literally just the reward. It's not the job. And I think so many drivers mix that up. I think I think they think that driving is like, oh my god, like they get they get worried and panic and shaky and and anxiety and all these things. And I'm like, it works That's- over. That yeah, yeah, you're already there. Like you've yeah. already done the hard part. Like can people ask like, yeah. oh, how you know, driving, it must be so hard driving in FD or whatever else. I'm like, the driving of FD is probably 20% of it. It's yeah. all the other stuff that is way, way, way more important. The driving is the reward for it. So once I realized that that's just the reward for it and I can't control the outcome, like even the best driver in the world, like can't control whether he's gonna win or lose, like stuff mm-hmm. happens. Um so if you can choose what would be a win for you and your team that maybe isn't actually first place on the podium at the end of the weekend, then all of a sudden 
how you take it on. You take it on as more like a professional side and it, it just, it becomes extremely fun. Like no matter what happens, it's, it's super, super fun. So that's yeah. changed my mindset a lot. And f- like winning with fans are probably one of my biggest thing because I know what it's like to do that. And even in ice hockey, like, dude, my favorite goalie was Guy Bear forever. And then I played on the junior ducks and then he was one of our okay. coaches. And then like, there's all these super cool things that was happening. And it really meant a lot to me. Like I always looked up to goalies. I always looked up to certain things. So me looking at it from that point of view, like I'll do whatever I can to, to spend time with a fan or a new driver or even a fellow driver. Like, I just I enjoy that that interaction. Yeah, the the driving is the reward part is is so critical, and I think you know I've I've seen it. I mean, there's a lot. Of, I, I talk to drivers constantly, and yeah. it's like talking to guys that are coming up, and they're so stressed about things and everything else. I'm like, man, once you get in the car, like that's now you're alone. It's you know it's quiet. I mean, it's not. It's loud, but like <laughs> that's your time. That's you. That's everything that you've put into to being here. You did it. Anything that happens after this is gravy. Like that's just icing on the cake. Like the fact that you're even in that position, I've said that to even like pro-am guys. And I'm like, listen, all those people watching, all the guys that like are crewing on your team or whatever else, like those are all people who would like to be where you are. Like, honestly, anybody who's watching at home, like you did the thing. And yeah, there's a huge jump up to go to, you know, there's 64 more people you got to get through to get to where you want to be. But they're, you know, similar, like you want to be there, you're going to get there and then forget that, you know, last year you're in the position that you were pushing so hard to be in. Yeah. Like I've, I've had to say that to so many drivers now, like even at the pro level where I'm like, how often do you sit back and think like, holy shit, like I, I, I did it with James Dean and it was kind of a cool opportunity. Cause I'm like, how often do you think of like, arguably you're the greatest drifter of all time. Like I would some, agree. there, there, there are arguments with a couple other guys, but like, there is no way you have a talk. You t- you talk about the greatest drivers of all time, and you don't put James Dean in there. And he's yeah. like, "Well, you know, I don't really." And I'm like, "But when was like the last time?" And he like said, a, like told me a story about it. I'm like, "Good." Like, I'm glad you took that moment to realize it, right? Because like, you have to. You have to have that appreciation at some point, or you go crazy. When and even if he doesn't accept it, a lot of the drivers in the paddock accept that he's the best driver in the world. Oh yeah, no matter what he does, dudes, like. The it doesn't dudes, matter. Yeah. Yeah. I like mean, I said, there's there's a few guys you could argue, I mean, of our yeah. era of right now. Oh, of course. It's there's, real hard to say anybody else. Yeah, there's some great phenomenal drivers, but like overall, it's and it, yeah. I mean, funny thing. So I oh, that's where else I spent some time in Ireland this year as well. Right. Uh Dave Egan asked me to come out and hang out with drift games and all that. And I remember uh, I think it was like the first lap, first or second lap. I'm driving a right-hand drive Z, which I've never really drove right-hand drive before. And it's Modelo Park and it's kind of rainy, which for them, that's normal. For me, I'm like, what is rain? I'm from California. I don't know how to drive this thing. Like, <laughs> Mr. Why? Mr. Double Zero in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, who, Sorry. Turned on the, who turned on the sprinklers out here? Like something like, can they shut the sprinklers off for us? Like the track's wet. Um, yeah. And I remember like initiating in a Z and feeling like a bump. I'm like, that's kind of weird. And transition again, like another weird bump. I'm like, something's wrong. Like it felt like the rear end was kind of loose. Cause right as, I, as I'd set it, like move over. Yeah. Set, move over, <laughs> set, move over. And then it did it like once or twice. I'm like, something's weird. I look over, I don't see anything. I look over again and Connor Shanahan's head just pops into the window. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, like, bro, like, at least give me a lap or a heads up that you're coming in or something. He's like, oh, I saw you initiate with the big flick. Yeah. I knew you were good. Not I'm the like, Shanahan's, man. I'm like, dude, they're just like, ah. 
<laughs> Those boys are wild. So, but yeah, yeah. back to your um, another punch in the mouth was my first season of FD Pro Two. So round one, yeah, dude, I end up uh, Orlando. I qualify high. I'm like, dude, I can do this. This is gonna be good. I ended up um, ended up in the finals with Trent uh, Beecham, and I've drove with him a lot in the, in Cali, so I was not worried about it. And as I'm at line with him, my alternator fails. So I'm on battery. Right. And he's there screwing with his headlight, trying to get one headlight on. And my battery's like, dink, dink, <laughs> dink, dink. I'm like, come on, guys. And they're like, oh, we're just, can we just take the headlight off? Maybe we should plug the headlight in. Should we zip? I'm like, dude, we like I'm at the line. And he's like, they're like arguing back and forth about this. And I'm watching mine go from like 11, 11, 6, 11, 5, 11, 4. I'm like, dude, we got to go. And uh, I think I sent it, the first lap, I sent it like 11, 5 is when I left the line. And then, because uh, I was chasing him first. And it put on a, a pretty good chase. But then I had to lead next. And when I was leaving the line, I was at like 10, 4. And the Holly doesn't like anything under 10. It'll shut off. No. And I remember leaving the line at 10, 4. And it's like sputtering. I'm like, we're going to die. And I ran a really low line. I ended up losing the battle because I ran like super low away from the wall because we only had two weeks till Road Atlanta. Um, So I didn't want to total the car. And I never really crashed the car up to that point. So I was like, (laughs) ah, this is my baby. Let's not wreck it. And uh, yeah, ended up second second place there. So I was like super excited, all ready to go. Went to Road Atlanta, started to rain, double zero. I'm like, well, that's a big punch in the mouth. And I don't know. I always kid with people. They're like, how do you save money? In Pro 2, because my full Pro 2 season, I only spent 14 grand, which yeah. is very, very good. Super it's, cheap. So it's simple. What you do is you win or end up on the podium, then you get free tires. Then the next <laughs> round, you double zero out. You don't use any tires or fuel. <laughs> then you go to the next round, and then you win and end up on the podium again, because St. Louis ended up on the podium. So you get yeah. more free tires, and then you go to the next round, and you total the car. Because that was Texas. And you're done. And yeah. I'm like, and then you're done. You 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 win rookie of the year. You're in first place for three rounds, and yeah. um, you don't use very much money on tires because you you know you're not driving and you save fuel. Yeah. So, and, and now you're pro licensed, and you're good and to now go. You're pro license. You're good to go, man. Yeah. So people always laugh. They're like, dude, that's I don't know. I'm like, no, no, don't do that. Like, I'm just don't kidding. do. Don't, don't listen don't to do any that. of that. Yeah. No, no, don't, the winning don't, part. Don't the winning that. part's good, but the rest can go. Yeah, I didn't know that. I've never drove in the rain before. Like, I've never drifted right. a car in the rain before. Road Atlanta and Road Atlanta is like a hundred mile an hour entry in the rain. Yeah. On a pro car, and I'm like, hmm, this is fun. Yeah, I didn't even make it to entry. So, no, that was a long night. I do, I do remember that night. We were there till one in the morning. Was last qualifying yeah. run. It was yeah, because like guys, guys were were going into the gravel on their sight laps, mm-hmm. and like yeah. the part two with Road Atlanta is like that water comes down. Like you, you, you can initiate it like the one cone or yeah. the three cone, sorry, and just hold the car because like it, you're just riding a river all the way down. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like uh, the Shamu show, like when you go through the bottom, <laughs> a wave yeah. just went over the whole car. I remember my guys uh, trying to like bail water out of the bottom of my car so we could like because my feet were just sitting in water, like above yeah. my boots. That was such a long night. I yeah, remember. that was that was a rough, a rough weekend for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm so. sure there was a nice bill from from Road Atlanta to FD for overcharges that night too. Uh, for everything. That, yeah, that was a that was a fun one. It was crazy. So, but yeah, so that was kind of that was my pro two. That was the start of my pro two season. I'm like, woo, yeah. let's sign up for pro one then. That's four rounds. <laughs> I messed them up real bad, dude. Let's try I another remember four. It was like it was big talk when you said you were going pro because people were like, he's not ready. There's no way you can do it. He's gonna like. I remember it. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, 
when he's on, he's on. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm here for it. And, you know, you said like there's two rounds that are basically in your backyard. So I save there. You know, that's mm -hmm. two boxes of toothpaste saved from your dad. Yeah, so you exactly. To, you don't have to worry about all that. <laughs> so well, like, what? Yeah. And I don't know if you know, but the only reason I, like, this sounds really bad now, but truthfully, the whole reason, the only reason why I started drifting was because I wanted to drive streets of Long Beach. Really? That was Just the original, as a well, kid. I knew I couldn't do Formula One or yeah. like at that time it was uh cart, I think it was called. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, but so that's it, like IndyCar. And then, knew that, I couldn't yeah, afford then it. that turned into Indy. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew I couldn't afford that one. Uh, the high-end like supercar deals that they were doing, couldn't afford that. The pro celebrity race, which is the best race Long Beach has ever had, and they need to bring them back. Um, yeah. I wasn't a pro or a celebrity, so that wasn't the scenario. Uh, so the only way, and I remember my parents, because we stayed and we watched Super Drift, and I'm like, I remember telling them in 16, like, I can do this. I don't know how, but like, I'm going to do this. Like, I believe I can do this. Mm. And uh, yeah, that was like the start of the whole scenario into getting into drifting. So... It was kind of a crazy thing. So when I had an opportunity to move up, I didn't know if I was going to. Like, oh, it's a lot more budget. But yes, two rounds are local. And either way, I still had fuel driving out. So even if I had to hit two more tracks on the way back, it wasn't really that big of a deal because I still have to mm -hmm. drive back anyways. Seattle was the only one that was like way up out of the middle of nowhere. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then I talked to the deciding factor, and he probably knows that, is uh, Rad Dan. So, really? Yep. Dan came over to me after after Texas and was like, "Hey man, I know you you crash isn't that?" He's like, "Don't worry about it, we all do." And um, I was like, "Okay." And he's like, "Are you thinking about moving up?" I said, "Yes." And he's, I said, "But I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I need more practice. I don't know this and that." He's like, "Just go for it. Like, yeah. move up." He said, "You're gonna get killed. Like, I'm like, you're gonna get killed." He had, he had just um, moved up at that point. Yeah, yeah, he's like, "You're gonna get killed, but it'll force you to step up as a driver." And you'll be fine. He's like, you're super adaptive. Like, you've only been drifting a couple of years. You made it this far. You'll be fine. So okay. I said, okay, I trust you. Like, let's do it. And that was, he was literally the deciding factor on why I moved up. And <laughs> he was 100% cool. correct because the first lap I ever took was St. Louis. And I had to chase, uh, I think it was Vaughn. I stuffed in the tire wall behind him because I realized <laughs> I could not slow down as fast as Vaughn could. Wow. So Vaughn hucks in, snaps slows the car down and drives away. And I snap, it just goes right into the tire wall. <laughs> and at that time, I realized like, okay, um, I need to step up because this, this is, is not different. the same level. Like yeah. the level from Pro-Am to Pro-2 is a big jump, but Pro-2 to Pro-1 is like double or triple that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like it's rough. Crazy. And they're dialed immediately. Like first lap out, you can tandem with anyone. And yeah. that's crazy to think of. On a brand new track. Doesn't even matter what the track is. Brand new yeah. track, Lake Erie. First run out, tandem. And you're like, hmm, okay. And in Pro-Am, it's like <laughs> you drive a full day of solo, even if you drove the track a bunch of times. And then the second day, you start tandeming and mm -hmm. then qualifying and doing battles. So that was the schedule I was used to. I was not used to first lap out, brand new track. You're either chasing or leading. What do you want to do? You're like, well... I either lead two of us into a wall or I crash by myself. So I'll, let me let me do that chase thing first. <laughs> Show me how to get around the track. What I what I love is like there's a moment with you and Forrest in Long Beach that's like so wholesome because like you like you like you're like waving like a fanboy and you're like <laughs> hey you're like this is super cool that we get to do this and he's like yeah you're like I was a big fan of you like for a long time and this is really awesome and then he's like. 
I, th- I don't know if you said it or he said it. He's like, let's put on a show. And then you're like, okay. <laughs> like, it was just this, I, like. It was probably him. And it's very realistic uh, because. Like, oh, it's so he cool was, though. He was probably, I would say he's my favorite driver, right? So like yeah. watching him drive, he was my favorite driver watching. And um, I loved how he had the Get Nuts Lab. So I had that little, I have like the little shop or whatever it's called, Imagine Garage. That was just mm-hmm. like a nickname that someone else gave it that now we have. Um, but I love the fact that he was basically building cars to make money to be able to afford to drift. And I, and I was like, you know what? I, I, you know, I can build street bikes and work on that. So let me try the car thing. So that's literally the route I ended up doing to be able to mm-hmm. help fund my racing. So I really related to him quite a bit. Um, and it was just super cool because I never, as soon as I got to pro, James left and he left. Yeah. And I'm like, the two people I really wanted to drive with both left. I'm like, okay. Now, I was like, Odie, back. I'm coming for you. Because <laughs> Odie was my other favorite driver. So yeah, I'm like, you guys okay. drove together a bunch. Uh, yeah, I was like, I'm coming for you. And uh, <laughs> so it was just super crazy. Uh, but to get lined up with him was like, it was just, for me, it was a big honor. And it's cool because I have photos with a lot of drivers. Like, like I come to the line and I have like selfies, like where you shoot this way. <laughs> Uh, I shelf these with like Osbo because he was literally like my hero um, with Turk, with uh, Denofa, with Vaughn, with um, Odie, uh, with Matt, with a lot of them. Like it's just super cool with Forrest. That's so it's, neat. I'm still very much a fan of the sport. So even yeah. when I line up against whoever, like Castro or whatever, like it's super, super cool to me. Because like, dude, these guys, like I, I watch these guys on TV. Like, like let's go drive. Like that's so dope. So... For me, it's still yeah. a really, really a cool thing. It's an honor to get to drive with these like legendary drivers from all over the world. I get the same feeling, man. I'm still such a fanboy of all of this. We're like, just just even getting to do this, where I'm like, oh, I get someone lets me talk to these guys and they <laughs> they have to let me talk to them for two hours. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, but what they don't know is how much effort you put in to help me get all this whole thing set up. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, all these like Dude, funny was... little pieces and like all <laughs> kinds of stuff. It was quite entertaining. I do, need to st- I, I do need to start recording the setup because like, dude, Dylan Hughes, there was like three people involved. Um, oh. Just like oh, everyone. Like Dylan just was funny because he was getting like frustrated. He's like, I don't understand this. I can I can build this car, but I can't figure out this damn computer. <laughs> well, you have like, and, and it's funny. Can they give you a bunch of cables that don't go to anything? <laughs> like, they just, they're not necessary. And then you get plugs that are mimicked. So the plug, it plugs into here. <laughs> But this plug is on it when you get it. And this plug doesn't fit in anything. It doesn't fit on the headphones. It doesn't fit on there. So you actually I, have to take it apart to find the actual plug that plugs into the back uh, of the mic. So I will like, make better instructions for everybody. I've learned from this scenario. Yeah. It was like, it was only 20 minutes. We're good. Yeah. That's like, and, and none of this plugged into the Mac. So I, I used my, my <laughs> wife's, like the start of this was my wife's MacBook. I set it all up, got it ready to go. Could see him, good to go. Plug it in. Nothing plugs into the Mac. Because I need all these like dongle uh, adapter cables. Issue. That? So I'm like, well, scrap that. So now I'm on my tuning laptop that was $200 from Amazon, a, a refurbished Dell. And, it's working uh, great. It's, it's working, but now it has all the plugs I can plug into it. So that's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm a hardcore like PC and Android guy. So like every I'm time sorry. people bring up like, it's fine. People, every time people bring up like Mac and Apple issues, I just laugh. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. It's, it's honestly like at my company, it's like the bit longest and most, like divisive thing in the company because half of us are Android and PC and the rest are Mac. And like, it's constant. Like something will happen in a meeting, like someone's internet will cut out and they're like, oh, 
must be a PC problem. Oh, must be a Mac. Like, doesn't matter what the problem is. It's it's either Mac or PC that's causing the issue. It's yep. great. Oh, gotta go to the bathroom. Oh, must be a Mac problem. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't you didn't upgrade for the extended bladder edition. Like yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. That's very true though. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, I want to get into a big announcement that you've got, and I'm glad okay. that we're kind of getting. I don't know if it's like officially announced on here. Or when it's officially yeah, getting announced. I mean, I think you're the first one I've told, uh, like spoken Sick. to about actually announced it. So, Sick. All right. Yeah, let's get into it. I'll leave you, I'll leave you to, to talk about it because it's super cool. So something we've been working on, uh, well, actually the idea came up in New Zealand. So in New Zealand, I was working with uh, a group of people. It's basically ABC uh, for kids. And that's kind of a soft spot for me. Um, one of the other drivers that's actually on our team, his name is Don Boline. He has a full foundation for kids and for like orphans, has a whole a whole setup out here by us. I think he has 48 kids. So that's super cool that he takes care of personally. Um, wow. And then uh, my mother is a, uh, a preschool teacher, has been for, for a long, long, long time. Uh, basically ever since I was in, I think, middle school, she's been a preschool teacher. So super cool. So that I kind of relate to that whole scenario. I don't have any kids of my own, uh, but we wanted to do something to get them involved in drifting and get them kind of off a lot of tablets and that type of stuff. So I collaborated with uh, ABC Kids, which is ABC like Drift Kids now. And basically we have now designed a kid's book. <laughs> so so super cool. It's got like the little Chrome stuff on it. It's like an animation of me. Uh, the race car, it shows really dark in here. It's very vibrant in person, but uh, yeah, it's it's there. And it's actually, it's really cool. So it has a lot of people uh, in it. It says, you know, oh, there we go. Uh, this book is to the future drifter. And then you, they put their name and like the driving, what they're going to be driving. And even if you go through all the pages, it's, you know, I'm not going to go through all of them, but it's all someone in there. So angle. Alex is, is my media guy and like talks about angle, talks about transitions. It talks about... Uh, like Bryant, and so that's my welder fabricator on my team, and Ben, and I mean, just as you go through all of it, it's really cool. So I related it to people on our team. I related it to basically my driving and drifting, and I wanted it something fun to have, uh, have them be able to relate to. And it's kind of all ages, but it's basically just a cool little drift book. And then at the end of it, uh, you can actually go online and you can link up. Well, you can link up with other kids on here, and you can print out a full coloring book. So you can like color the car, design your own car. You can submit the car colors and it lets you have it all digital as well. So damn, we wanted to make it really, really good quality. Uh, we have them. We're basically going to be uh, debuting them on Friday. So Friday is the actual like release. Uh, you can you can get them Friday starting uh, on the Gradistic website <clears throat> or at Irwindale will be the first time they're actually in person. So super nice. cool books. We just wanted something so that kids can relate to drifting and something that they can have like, you know, set up because it's kind of a cool looking book. It's really good quality. So that's what we really wanted to do is do something to relate them to us, to drifting, something that the parents can like read to them and they can start to to learn some of the lingo of, you know, angle, style, um, even, even all of it, like uh, Nissan or, you know, Toyota <laughs> or BMW. So they start to learn cars. They start to learn tracks. They start to learn uh, kind of the drifting uh, lingo. So when they, you know, when they hear it from their parents or whatever else, that they can kind of catch on and, oh, I know what that is. Or, I oh, you know, starter, engine, handbrake, turn, <laughs> drift, all that type of stuff. So nice. We, 
we just wanted something kind of cool, something different. I don't know if anyone else has ever done it before, but I felt like that was a, a missing piece. We have a lot of things for adults. Uh, like we just released the, the skateboard decks, which lasted like under 30 minutes and they sold out. Yeah. Uh, so that went very, very quick. We are, no one knows this yet, but I guess you guys do now. We are actually going to be trying to bring back or re-releasing another 50 of them at Irwindale. Because Damn. they left so fast that we're like, I got a lot of messages. Like, hey, man, I didn't get time to get them or they were sold out or whatever else. So uh, we will have another 50 for in-person at Irwindale. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to announce that yet, but shh, secret. Uh, you guys. It'll, it'll, it's going to come out next Wednesday. So you got uh, you got some time to make sure it happens. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So either way, uh, but we are we were just trying to get them in, like, in for Long Beach because we just felt bad that so many people wanted them and didn't get to get them. So we're, we're going to have those out, but really we're just trying to, trying to relate to people and bring things that are kind of a positive vibe and positive thing to the community and allow them to have another option besides just tablet watching stuff. So skateboarding, they can go outside, skateboard, uh, books, they can actually, you know, read the book, connect with family, kids. So something cool, something I really enjoyed Sick. growing up with my, my mom used to like read a lot to me when I go to sleep. So yeah. tell stories. So this is something cool you could do. You could do like one page a night. You could do, try and do the whole book. Just something to relate to people with. Nice. I got a I got a bunch of nieces and nephews, and they keep they just keep coming. So like I'm I'm, I'm ready go. to stack off you. Yeah, so. they're they're super cool, and everyone who's seen them in person is really blown away by them because we spent it took us like six and a half months to do them, almost seven really? months to do them wow. after they were already done. So it took it's been about a year process. Um, okay, but now we got them dialed in, received them, and they're they're what we wanted. So nice. Yeah. yeah um, Based on the timeline, we should be able to put links and everything down below. So if anybody wants them, um, yeah, yeah. Based on when this will come out, so that's sick. I'm I'm pretty pumped. I'll, I'm definitely gonna grab at least three <laughs> when I when I see you. So that'll be awesome. I have some overweight luggage coming home with kids' yeah. books, but yeah, they're not too heavy. They're pretty light. Nah. We try to make them so that you can fly with them. They're you know nothing too crazy because the skateboards are kind of hard to fly with because they're big, but people love yeah. them, and and you're actually allowed to fly with skateboards outside of carry-ons. So that's that's no problem. I actually have one of your uh, shoelace, like, what do you, like, like the little tab things? Yeah, we, we don't, yeah, someone was like, hey, I'll make these for you. Like, do you want some? I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. So I have them on my race shoes. I have them on, like, my yeah. normal shoes. And kids love them. And they're like, I don't know, oh, even that's know. so cool. Someone gave, I think someone from your team, I think I traded one of my hats for, for. So some... Bryant wanted your hats. So yes. I think he gave you a hat and a couple other things, but that was probably how you obtained it. I think so. Yeah, we did it. We did a bit of a trade. I've been using these as bartering items. So yeah, he loves it. Well. I have the sticker. <laughs> I have that sticker in my car that randomly showed up and I'm like. <laughs> They're everywhere, man. That's I, great. I, have, I have a send it sticker and then I have a hat sticker and I'm like, nice. well, I, got I know like, how I got those. I got one on my remote. It's been, there's like a stack of them over there. I'm trying, I'm still trying to work with, I'm with back Neff? and forth with, well, I'm trying to get like a lot for Irwindale. Like, That'd I mean, like, really cool. like two to 300 for Irwindale and like yeah, proper. just start. I, Cause what I, what I would love is if they pan over to the grandstands and just everybody's got them <laughs> Like, where's Waldo? You gotta hide in there and see if anyone can that's, find you. Seriously, that's like the whole idea. Because in so the first round this year was it this year or last year? Well, ever ever since I started shooting FD, like my family would watch and they would always try and like look for me in the media pits and stuff like that. And yeah. It became like this ongoing thing, right? Like my mom would watch and be like, "Oh, I see you," and I text my kids and be like, "This is where I am." Yeah. And then I think it was in uh, Long Beach this year. I had my hat on and I was like walking around and I was just like, I was in, in the burnout box. And then it, 
in the chat, people started to be like, oh, I saw him. And it became like this ongoing joke. And now that I'm kind of up in the spotter stand, it's a little bit more difficult, but people still do it. So now I'm like, okay, for the final level of Where's Waldo, it's send always- out, Send out a bunch of them. Exactly. <laughs> and like the hardest part of Where's Waldo is when you get that one where everyone looks like Waldo. So yes. that's what I want. I would love to do that and then like sit in the grandstands and see if we can get like a drone shot and then do that. I'm that sure would you be set like- that up. I think there's, so. There's so have, like if someone crashes or whatever, just set it up. Cause I'm sure they'll let you, you know, they'll let you like shoot it and just tell oh, them yeah. what you want to do. Like, hey, we want to actually give me like, do this. Give me like a big high res photo of the entire grandstands and then we can play that. I think that It'd would be, be so sick, cool. So, yeah. I'm working with Neff still. We're trying to like work out all the, they, they need to like, it's not a hat that they normally stock 200 of. No, so, of course. No, they, like, they got like 12 of them. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I have a, a bunch of Neff hats, but all mine have the ball on the top. Remember those? Uh, yes. I have the yes. balls on, on, on the top of all of them. And that it's, huge it's funny. But. It's funny now. Cause like people have like, uh, when I was in Europe, the guys from Black Smoke Racing have like really nice merino wool hats. Oh, and they're yeah. like, oh, you need to have one of these and one of these. So I've like, now I've like started inheriting more and more of them. So I got to, like I got to do hats. something with them. Yes, yes. Proper toques. I mean, toques. Yeah, beanies in the US, toque in Canada. So, <laughs> and then I always joke, I've got the original one framed and it's like on my, it's in my office now. So it's like <laughs> oh, it this. started it all? Yeah, yeah. I've got it. Hang on, hang on. I don't think I've shown it on any of the shows yet, but it's There like we go. We get a special one. Properly mounted in a shadow box and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> now it looks like it has a lot of miles on it. it. Dude, it's old. It's, it's yeah, it's seen some days. I had to retire it. It was falling apart. So Yeah, you can tell it's got some miles on it. It's like my race yeah. car. Don't worry. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's very, they've, they've, it's seen some shit. So. They look great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eventually you'll retire your race car too and you can frame part of it and you know, put that up. So it'd be super cool to do like what like rich millionaires do and like cut the car in half and like put it up yeah. on the wall or like upside down on the roof. I don't have any high roofs, so you probably walk in and like hit the car, but <laughs> it'd be cool to like have it somewhere. You could probably do the body panels and like just like get some thin wire or something and like frame it all up. So I have some body panels on my walls downstairs, like from when I crashed in Texas, from yeah. my very first car when it was green, like the lion on the side. Like I have those doors on the walls, which is cool. Nice. But yeah, it's, it's, it'll be fun. I'll figure something out with it. Yeah. It's good to keep that kind of stuff. I mean, I've always like, I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm like, I'm a hoarder, but like, I definitely, I, I enjoy a clean aesthetic to some extent, but I also enjoy like sitting in a room filled with all of the weird shit I've done over the years. Like yeah. behind the camera, it's a, it's a nightmare. <laughs> Looks great over here. I told you this before we started over there. There's like, I got a ghetto box from the 90s. I got old books. I got a photo of Kyle Cross. Like there's like just random stuff everywhere. It's great. Yeah. That's, uh, that's super cool. All of our back end stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's important. Like eventually, you know, I, I'm sure guys like Vaughn and, and Turk and stuff like that have like little mementos from like early days that like they're happy that they've kept, right? Like eventually I'll get rid of some of this stuff, but there's a few things that'll probably just live with me forever. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you got to have those things. <laughs> yeah. So what else you got on the list? Man, I'm trying to think. I could, you know what? It's funny. We did this in the Ken Gushi one where uh, I make I make a lot of notes. I make like okay. a lot of notes. So I could, let's go through the things we didn't get to in rapid okay. succession. Okay. This might be, this might be a new segment. Um, so I have you down as a uh, seven-year diesel mechanic. And then three years of director for sales for a nutrition company. And then you worked in a law firm, which you had a beautiful white and black pinstripe suit, by the way. 
<laughs> yes, I'm glad you found that suit. Yeah, it's it was a great a, suit. actually built by penguins, so it was kind of a cool suit. <laughs> oh, that's what the hashtag was. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, it's literally a I penguin thought, suit. It's funny. That's sick. Um, <laughs> did you actually drive rally or just send a Subaru off dirt jumps? No, no, no. So I built a rally car. Okay, so let me, okay. Let me back. Up, let me back up a little bit. This is it'll be quick though. So I built a that's rally fine. car. Okay, I really wanted to build uh, to run rally. Then I found out how expensive it was. It's like $5,000 just entry fee to run a rally. So I'm like, wow, that's expensive. But I built a rally car. I did one practice stage in the car at Gorman. Mm. Um, not groomed, not taken care of. It was rough, like really, really rough. And uh, then I, I was still working on the car, trying to get the car together. At this time, I had left the law firm and I was uh, into something called transformational training. Like, So I was doing yep. like transformational training. So as I was in there, Training, one of the big things, I was like, you know what? I want to do this. I want to help people. I want to become a trainer as well. So they're like, okay, cool. Like, no worries. Like, that was part of my goal um, without giving too much stuff away. But that was kind of like one of the goals that I set for that class. And my goal was to become a trainer. They're like, cool. Fill out the paperwork. Sign all up. We'll let you know. You know, this is when the time frame is. The next one actually. So he only comes once a year. His name is John Hanley. He only comes once a year. And he's like, dude, he's coming not this Thursday, but like next Thursday. I said, Okay. Like, I, like I'm down, I'll do it, I'll figure out, I'll move work around, like I will make it happen. So I get it all figured out, like, cool, great. And just so you know, um, it is $12,500 up front. And I'm like, what? <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's $12,500 up front. Because a lot of the training helps you overcome the conversations you have or your excuses yeah. on why you can't do shit. So that was really like that one for me, a lot of people, it would be time. Like, oh, I can't take three days off of work. I'm like, eh, I can't. I'll make it happen. But for me, I had a large money conversation. Like, I didn't have the money to do it. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea how I was going to do it. I tried to figure it out. So I had like four days till the weekend. And then then I started on uh, Wednesday. And I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to do it. I'm committed. Yes, sign me up. Like, let's do it. I'll find the way to have the money. Have no idea. I had no great idea of how to make the money. I couldn't figure out how to make the money. Um, I asked my parents and like, we can help you with like $1,200. I'm like, yeah, I'm still, yeah, <laughs> Real short. like I'm still 11,008. Like I'm still way far away. So I'm like, thank you. I appreciate it. Just hold on. Let me, let me figure something else out. Like everything. And I really had no idea. And um, on Monday, so I had Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, I had to have the money in the morning in LA. And Monday night, uh, I get a phone call from Brett over at Rally Candy. And Brett used to work with Odie. And Brett okay. calls, this is before I even know who Odie was or drifting or anything. And Brett hits me up and he's like, hey man, um, I heard you have a rally car. I'm like, yeah. He's like, does it, will it pass tech? I'm like, yeah, why? He said, well, my driver is uh, first place in Rally America right now. He just had like an 80 foot off and totaled his car. Um, we have a week or we have two weeks to build him a new car. We can't build a full complete rally car in two weeks um, and ship it out. He's like, are you willing to sell your car? And I was like, not really. And then I kind of realized, like, basically I had Ding. to let go of who I was for who I wanted to become. And I'd been building this car for like four years. And I'm like, ah. I was like, okay, fine. But I have to have the money before Tuesday night. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, done. The guy's driving down from San Francisco. I already know the car. He'll come, he'll come bring you cash for it. I'm like, done. So I don't know, law of attraction was definitely on my side. And I do the next day, Tuesday, he showed up at the house, paid for the car, 
They brought it all over. It's now his pro uh, rally car. He still runs Rally America in the car, actually. That's it's cool. A, it's a burgundy one. And I was like, okay, awesome. And um, literally, I went in the next morning and was like, bam, like, <laughs> got it. Look at that. I showed up full in pain done. What's up? Let's let's get this going. And that was like the start of my like transformational career and me getting into transformation and owning centers and traveling all over the world and all that. Like that's what started and launched that whole thing was uh, me just believing that I could make it happen. And I just kept pushing until it did. And I literally, I wasn't attached to how it happened. I was just mm. committed to making it happen. So yeah. I was just basically kind of a yes on any direction because something will lead me somewhere. And that's that's basically what happened. I did literally let go of who I was for who I wanted to become. And yes, I'm not a professional rally driver, but I became a professional driver anyways. Yeah, so, it's, it's interesting how that all ends up tying back in the end, right? Yeah, and that's why, that's side note, that's why I walked away from transformation is in the training, I was always training and teaching other people how to go after their goals and dreams and chase their passion and all that. And um, it really hit me kind of like a ton of, like a ton of bricks. Like, what is something you've always avoided and something you've always wanted to do? And I'm like, be a race car driver. They're like, great. That's what you get to do. And I'm like, ah, okay. And then I saw drifting. I'm like, there we go. That's it. There it is. I can do that. Yeah. Don't know why I can long, do that. Bitch. Don't know why I think I can drive sideways and not straight, but I can do that. They look like they're having a lot of fun. Let's do this. <laughs> and that was my like uh, jump into drifting. Damn. Full circle. Mind <laughs> yeah. the pun. Um, how are you not riding dirt bikes every single day with Glen Helen Raceway in your backyard? Uh, I used to ride a lot of motocross back in the day. Mm. Um, and then, I don't know. I just kind of stopped riding. I basically stopped motocross. Yeah, yeah, stopped motocross and went into street bikes. And okay. once, like, bad part with motocross is you got to put the bike in a truck or in a trailer and whatever trailer to the thing, then start riding, then doing that. Well, me being a stunt yeah. rider, I would literally ride wheelies and stunts everywhere. Yeah. So instead of having to go to the track and stunt and you know ride motocross at the track, I basically just used streets or whatever else and became yeah. a stunt rider that way. So uh, I literally rode from, I moved out at 17, lived on my own. So from 17 till, man, like uh, till I, basically, I like when I met my wife, and not that she asked me to to stop riding, but I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't want to die right now, so let's stop. Yeah. Uh, but basically, that whole time, I rode my, you know, I rode every single day. I didn't even have a car for most of that period. So I remember wow. having to move from my apartment to a new apartment, and all I had was a street bike. And I remember moving a Heart. fish tank on the back of a street bike on the back of a Jixer. Jesus. Yep. Wow. Uh, yep. A yellow GSXR seven fifty. Oh five. Damn. It's a good bike. I love that bike. The bike was amazing. Super well balanced. Like amazing. Yeah. Great yeah. bike. Uh is it true that you were born deaf or at least had severe hearing issues growing up? Yeah, I did. So that's why uh when I grew up I was in like special ed my whole life. So going through high school and, and middle school and, and uh elementary school, I was in special ed, I was in speech therapy, like I was always made fun of, um, all those things. And I, it was very weird because transformation always teaches you about uh, just changing your perspective. And that's like literally everything changes once you change your, your point of view or your perspective yeah. on something. <clears throat> and I remember my first grade teacher made left like the biggest impact ever. I don't know if he's ever going to hear this. I don't know if he'd ever see this. Um, I don't even know how to get a hold of him, but it would be rad too. 
Uh, so his name was Mr. Darlin. And he's my first grade teacher. And I was okay in school. I wasn't very good. And I had to go up and speak in front of the class to like prevent or to uh, present, right? Like most people do. And uh, I was like, I just told him no. And he's like, well, you're going to fail. You're going to get an F on that. And I, that's okay. He's like, well, we're going to call your parents and let them know that, that, you know, you didn't even try. I'm like, that's fine. Like I, I was 100% did not care what happened to me. Like whatever. And he's like, well, why? I'm like, cause people can't understand me and they're not going to listen to me anyway. So I'm not, I'm not even going to do it. And he's like, what if I can get them to listen to you very closely? I was like, what? He's like, do you trust me? And really I was like, no, but <laughs> sure, let's try. What, what's your game plan here? So he's like, okay, hold on. Before you go up, let me go up first. I'm like, okay. So he goes up in front of the class and he's like, hey, so here's the deal. Uh, we're going to have, because you know my name's Jorn. He's like, hey, we're going to have Jorn come up in the front of the class. Uh, he's going to speak, but you have to listen to him very, very closely because uh, you know his family's from Boston. He has a thick Bostonian accent. <laughs> and so it's hard to understand him. So that thick accent, it, you just have to listen to him carefully so that uh, you guys can understand what, you know, what he's saying and what he's speaking. And then all the kids were like, oh, okay. And I went up there and spoke and it was totally fine. And that was it. And <clears throat> what I realized is that it was never about what happens. It's just about like what you have to say about what happens that matters. And that mm. distinction right there was really eye-opening for me. So yes, I still stayed in, in special ed and I still stayed in speech therapy and everything, but I just remember that as being a huge like turning point for me of like, wait a second, like if I change my perspective on what's going on, things can change. And then transformation was 100% about that. That like, it's never about the problem. The problem is never the problem. Even today, I realize that the problem is never the problem. It's just how you look at the problem. Is yeah, the problem. And once I realized that, I'm like, wait a second here. Okay. Because <laughs> you're legitimately like one conversation away from anything you've ever wanted, no matter yeah. what it is. Like literally one conversation away. And you can be, you can make it up so crazy, whatever you want. You could say, I don't know, um, go to the moon, right? Let's say, uh, let's say I, I want to go to the moon. You know, I don't have the time, the money, the normal BS excuses, this and that. But I can yeah. show you that it never has any, like the excuse of money and the excuse of time is never a real excuse. It's a hundred percent a fake excuse. And I mean, I can prove it with one simple thing. Kids, they get their way and they have no time and they have no money. Yeah. And they just, they get their way and they do a hundred percent of the time. Like they're just stay there until they get what they want. And so let's say it's uh let's say that it's the moon one, right? Because someone's like, oh, well, I want to fly to the moon. And he was just trying to poke at me to see if you know we could figure it out. I'm like, it's super simple. Uh, Elon Musk has a daughter and a son. So whether you're into male or female, it doesn't matter. But let's say you marry one of them. How hard is it for you to get to the moon now? Yeah. Well, not at all. And they're like, wait a second, what? I'm like, how much money or time did that take? He's like, well, yeah. none. Yeah. I'm like, exactly. I'm like, there's always a way to figure it out no matter what's going on. Yeah, and, and people put way too much focus in on the can't instead of the how, right? Well, and they look at their current situation and they believe their current situation determines their future, but really it just shows where they were in the past. So they're like, yeah. oh, I want to buy, buy a Ferrari. Oh, I don't have the money. Well, of course you don't. You just thought of that idea right five seconds ago. Like, yeah. what's the likelihood of you just having to spare half a million dollars? Like, it's not it's not there. So they think that they're, they think that they're actually living like in their past, 
Yeah. But if they can flip it around and realize that like the future that you're living into actually determines how you show up in the present, that's what radically changes people's mindset. Yeah. Because the past has absolutely nothing to do with the future. And you can yeah. prove that as a little kid. Like, let's say I want to go to Disneyland, right? It's impossible. In the morning, because I was in special ed, I hated getting up. I hated going to school. I hated being made fun of, all that. So I would never get up. I was one of the like worst kids ever to wake up. But <laughs> if I knew I was going to go play hockey or I knew I was going to go surf, I didn't even have an alarm. I just wake up and like wait for my mom to wake up and take me to hockey. Yeah. So it never had to do with, you know, and my house didn't change. We didn't make more money. My parents didn't, like nothing changed in my life. It was just what I was looking forward to. It was what was ahead of me. It was what that like impossible future looked like for me. Mm -hmm. So that was what the big deciding factor was, was just shifting my mindset uh, and looking forward, not looking back. Yeah, I think I think it's. I mean, I think any of that stuff, you know, before we go like super deep into the philosophical yeah. side of this or the existentialism of it, but it's like yeah. the like I I'm not I'm not a person to like sit there and be like, oh, you can like manifest your destiny, but I'm also the kind of person that's like, if you never put, if you never express the thing that you want, it probably will never happen. Whereas well, no like, one will know that you want it either. So how's someone well, supposed to exactly. help you? And that's like, that's what like kind of puts me around to the position I'm in now where it's like, I made it quite clear the things that I wanted to do. And mm -hmm. then some of these things have started happening. And like, I even said to my, I even said to my wife the other day in the car, we were, we were chatting, we were both big F1 fans. And I was like, huh, I'm like, how long do you think it would take for me to be an F1 commentator? And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, 15 years? Like, does that seem, that seems like a reasonable amount of time to do that. Seems way too long. I, but like, I agree. I agree. Like, I, I, I feel like if I really put everything into it, I could do it in less. But like, given current circumstances, kids, making sure like I'm not giving up completely, like I have three young kids, giving completely up on their lives, all that stuff. I'm like, 10 years, my son's 20. My youngest daughter's 16. Okay, 15 years, she's 21. They're all adults now. I can do whatever the hell I want. Can I ask you a better question? All right. Okay, so let's say you wait 15 years and they see you do that at 20. Right. Let's say you do it in five. Yeah. What are you teaching your kids? Oh, I agree. I agree that you can, I, I guess. <laughs> so This is the biggest thing I have with parents is that they yeah. always use their kids as an excuse not to do things. And no, it's I always agree. the opposite. It's always the reason why, because now you're teaching them what's possible. And if they can learn what's possible at a younger age, they're way better off. I'm, I'm also the person though, but if I give myself, let's say 10 years to do something, I will competitively try and get it done in less that like. So let I, me, let me ask you a morbid <laughs> question. How do you know you have 10 years? I don't. I don't know if I have tomorrow. That's why you. That's why you do this shit now. I. I literally. I mean, as as like stupid as this sounds, I literally have a tattoo that says "Tomorrow may never come." It's, so you it's might also as well from do it now. It's it's also from a social distortion song, which is of a course punk it is. band. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, I knew where it was coming from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> social <laughs> D. That's old school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm big social D fan. Yeah. Um, which dude. is great because the drummer's the guy that owns the Pike Bar, and I got to meet him, and I was all like. Hello, sir. <laughs> like <laughs> that's super cool. I'm like a big fan of everything you've ever done, but you don't know who I am. But that's okay. It's all um, good. Growing up, fan. I was a big Tool fan, and uh, the oh, drummer always sick. plays in San Diego too. So that's super sick. That is fair. Yeah, so. I, I I love Tool. Never like got. I was never like a Tool fan because like mm. that is a level of fandom that's like. 
That was, it, yeah, it gets it gets pretty crazy. It gets real go, obsessive. You dive in deep because like some of his writing is the all time, like, it's, yeah. it's written in the Fibonacci sequence of numbers. Exactly. Like there's there's the time signatures they use yep. is like yeah, it is, and the album yeah. cover. Anyways, yeah, like lateral uh, is one long song. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in the wrong order. Uh, <laughs> all right, last one. This is uh, the up? last point I had. Okay. You were a part of quite possibly one of the funniest live stream moments that's ever happened in Formula Drift. And it was Je Jeff Jones in Atlanta when his pulley came off and you oh, guys spent yes. your five minutes just <laughs> laughing at the engine bay. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, so that was a good story. That's Pro 2. So before I got to Pro 2, I crewed for Jeff, which yeah. I recommend anyone who's thinking about driving Pro, go crew for people. Because you will learn a lot of things that you want to do, some things you might not want to do, some things you could do better, a lot of things that you could do a lot worse, and they will literally help you figure out how to build a good program. So he 100% set me up for success. Like, I swear to you, he did. And he helped me stay with a very low budget, because we're still a very low budget team, but we seem to be doing quite well. So that was, that was very remarkable, because most people think that money ties directly into like the results, and it doesn't. So that's what's super cool about something, a lot of things that Jeff taught me. But the part that you're talking about was in Road Atlanta. So we were overheating. We had problems. We, we were just, we had three one more times with Forrest. On the yeah. third one more time, he comes back up the hill in, the, in between the battle, right? Because he led first, and then he was chasing the next one. Comes up, up the hill, and he's like, radio's in like, hey, guys, like, check. I think I lost a belt. Like, I, 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 my power steering's really bad. I think I lost a belt. We're not charging. I'm like, cool. We grab a belt. We grab everything. We're ready to go. Like, ready to throw the belt on. Because it was a supercharger on one belt line. So we're like, easy. He just threw the belt and the belt's gone. No problem. So grab the belt. I'm ready to go. Boom. He pulls up. And he's like, they call. Uh, Kevin comes over. He's like, I'm calling five minutes. We call five minutes. He's like, go. I rush, pull the hood pins, throw the hood up. And I just stand there. And I'm like, look it. And I'm like, one, two, three. Wait a second here. One, two, three. I'm like, I know I made, I, I know I didn't go very far in mass, but I, I feel like something's missing here. One, two, three. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like he's yelling at me. And he's like, dude, fix it. Like work out. We, get, we only have five minutes. Like, let's get back. I'm like, hold on, bro. I, I don't think we can fix it. He's like, we can fix anything. I'm like, hold on, man. I'm trying to figure out what's wrong. And he's like, dude. So he climbs out of the car and he walks over and he's like, dude, put the belt, like, let's get the belt on. Let's go, go let's go. And he's like yelling, he's like amped up, not yelling at me. He's just like excited, like trying just to get amped, this going. Yeah. And he's like, dude, like, I know we can win because we let a fiery lead on force. I think he even pulled a gap on him. So he's like, dude, we're like, we're going to win. And we look, I'm like, I think we're missing something, bro. He's like, what? I was like, where's your water pump? And he's like, what? I'm like, bro, where's the water pump? <laughs> dude, the water pump pulley snapped off in the front and just exited the vehicle. Belt was still on, but no water pump. Water pump had exited the vehicle. The bad part is, is that no one could find the water pump. So now Jeff's idea is grab the welder. Let's weld it back on. I'm like, I think it's aluminum. He's like, I got, I got the, the flux core welder. Will that weld it? I'm like, that's not going to weld aluminum, bro. We need like a TIG welder. But the problem is we got to find the pulley first. And we're like looking in the wheel. We're like, it's gone. Like we asked Kevin, dude, can you like go look on the live stream? Like, dude, where, where'd the pulley? And still to this day, pulley has never been found. <laughs> we don't know if it's in the crowd. We don't know if it's in a ditch. We don't know if it's pulley is completely exited the vehicle. And I just remember laughing with Jeff. I'm like, what do you want to do? He's like, bro, 
we can't run without a belt and without a water pump. Like, uh, yeah, I think we're done. Like, he's like, I yeah. think we're done, bro. The car's overheating. It's 230 degrees. Like, dude, we're, 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 or 260 at that time, I think. And he's like, dude, I don't know. So we're just laughing and sitting there pointing at it. And Kevin's like, are you guys going to fix it? I'm like, come here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just come take a, come take a gander. Take a good look at this over here. Put a good eye on it. Like, you might be missing something. And we're literally missing it's, the entire like front pulley off the water pump. It just exited the vehicle and no one could find it. Completely it's gone. It's such a good moment. Cause like the like I just, I think it's Jared and, and Ryan and they're like, they're not, they're not touching it. They're just they're just we're looking just, at yeah, it. Yeah, because there's I no commentary. <laughs> and me and Jeff both have our arms up and we're just like looking at it. Like we're laughing like that. And then Kevin comes over and he's laughing. And then uh like, the, like other people pop in and they're laughing. Like, you need anything? And we're like, Yeah, you need a you have a do you have the round thing that goes water? on the water pump? And they're like, uh, what? I'm like, do you, you have a spare spent- water pump? And he's like, no. And it was like all TIG welded on, like the fitting. So we'd have to like re-TIG weld. We have to try and get a new AN fit. He's like, it's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He's like, I know what I've lost. I've lost. So he walks over to Forrest uh-huh. and he's like, congrats, bro. You win. And he's like, what? He's like, <laughs> it's done. I think Forrest even gets out of the car and walks over and looks at it. He's like, you're done. Uh, and he's like, they like hug or whatever. And then Forrest goes in the car and like ends up running the run. And like, as Forrest goes in the burnout box by us, cause we're stuck at the front of the burnout box. We just like wave at him. He like waves back at us and then he just drives up and just ends up driving off. So there's uh, definitely some funny things. So uh, that was a good one. I think that was the same episode or event where Christops drove off the jack stands in front of us. It might've been. Yeah. It was it the same, been, it was the was same event. Cause we watched it live and he's like three, Two, and he's just like dumps the clutch and just jumps off the jack stands and like punctures the bottom of the car and just drives away. He's like, I'm on the ground. Let's go. There's like yeah. one lug nut on each wheel. And like, uh, that was rowdy. Man. It was super Atlanta's rowdy. always rowdy. I love Atlanta. There's something about that place, man. So I love Atlanta. I've never made it out of the top 32. So that's my goal <laughs> next year. I, my goal is to make it. First, I hadn't made it in. Two years in a row, didn't qualify. Then I qualified and drew Odie. Didn't make it out of that battle. Then last, then yeah. this year, drew like randomly draw, you know, qualified high, pulled Osbo. I'm like, come on, guys! Like, can you guys give me somebody? Like, it's a bit of a break. anybody besides Odie or Osbo? And last oh. year when I got Odie, he had just won Long Beach. And this year, oh yeah, yes, I did. I did end up above Osbo in Long Beach. I was like, ha ha. But oh right, it didn't even matter because I qual- I ended up second right on the podium in Long Beach. He ended up third, but in Road Atlanta, he just killed me. Like, just drove away from me. I'm like, bye bye. Uh, like on the downhill, he just gaps. So, the car's so fast. Yeah, his. <sighs> I mean, it's 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 hit. It's Stefan and and the car set up. Yeah, but I went ice drifting with with Osbo. You throw Osbo in a clapped out Z, and he still just pulls away from you. He's, I'm like, are we in the same car here? He's like, no, yeah. your car's better. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. That makes like, here's my keys, bro. Like, just here, you want to just take them, like. Like, yeah. I don't know how we're supposed to do this. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, insane driver. So, if, if there's a battle of top drivers, he's definitely a top driver. 100%. That's, I mean, in that, in, that, in that argument, he is, he is definitely in that conversation yeah. for sure. Yeah, and as soon as you hit ice, I would say probably top. Like, yeah. killer ice driver. Uh, it's, I, so. I mean, I've also had the pleasure of ice driving in Norway. It is, it is like, that's one of those bucket list things where I'm like, cool, I got yeah. like, I got I got Ebizu left and maybe one or two more yeah. things and I'm I'm good. Yeah, so. and do you see how crazy good all the drivers are out there? 
Oh, dude, it's All wild. Have you watched uh, Torne Cavilla at a, at a, like, dude, if that guy no. ever comes over, oh my God. So, th- it's, yeah. Careful what you wish I, for. I know, I know. I've I've heard some things. I've heard, yeah. I've heard some things. So, he's, yeah, he's dope. It's going to be a wild year. So, so. Uh, what else? Sick. Well, you got, do you that, have any like quick, quick bullets I can just rant, I can just run down? I think we do. We got through pretty much all of them. We've already done okay. over two hours. This is officially, I think, the longest podcast too. So ah, we're breaking all the records tonight. No, dude, it's great. <laughs> I'm glad. I knew. I knew. I knew this was going to be a good one. Um, you and I both love to talk, and, yeah. and we both get along really well. So it worked out well. I feel like it doesn't even need to be a podcast. I feel like we just have this conversation, even if nothing was going on, and if it was hundred percent, it would have been. <laughs> It would have been longer. That's the problem. I would have been. I would have been watching the sun go up. Like, dude, we spent like like what two day, three days straight in Erie talking the entire time. Yeah, and like never yeah. ran out of stuff to talk about. No, you're exactly. like, what do you think about this? How do you think about these? What do you think about Corvettes? What do you th-? like, dude? It just went like off this the chassis, deep end. That tire, yeah, yeah. We we're no, all good. over the place. I think. I think the best part is is you and I are both young in our careers within FD. We're both still. We're not jaded by the sport at all. We're both like crazy fanatics about all of it. And this is like nothing against any of the other drivers, but it's just like, I, I think that's what it, I think that's what a lot of it is, is we're still such huge fans of the sport that it, it's just, it's nothing to just keep talking about it. And I, yeah, I, I when think, you love it, it's easy to talk about it and be oh, passionate about it. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, like, I think I that's where, like, our, where our ADHD comes in. Like I, I was always really bad in school, but I didn't enjoy yeah. it. But things I like, I can talk forever about. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, cool. Anything else? Anything else you want to wrap up? Thanks. Shout outs. Anything like that? Uh, I mean, just huge thanks and shout out to our to all of my sponsors. I mean, mainly like Grudgeistic and ESR and and all the really the big guys. NRG, Magnuson, um, Motul. It's crazy because all of them, even Holly, they've all been with me from the beginning. Like yeah. I, I haven't. Like I, I don't change sponsors. Like the only ti- the only sponsor I changed was was tires because they didn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. So it's like all my sponsors have literally been there from the beginning. Um, the only new sponsor I, I have is Pedal Commander, which is super cool because uh, be on a lookout for me working with another super talented driver not in our industry, and you'll be like, wait, what? It'll be interesting. Sick. Yeah, you could probably guess just by knowing who pedal commander supports, but it will be very rowdy and very, very awesome. So we're going to be doing that. And I think I'm just really looking forward to, um, to driving more. Uh, I got offered to drive in Malaysia. So that's super cool. That's something that's coming up. Um, Poland is awesome. I'm going to Sweden for ice drifting this year and back to Canada up to ghost Lake. So I'll be up there with the faster, higher guys. Um, I just, I, I just, I love driving and all the people that support me out there is super, super cool. And they've been there literally from the beginning. And it's, it's, it's really an honor to drive for them um, and have people believe in you. And that's really cool. Like the first time that someone was like, Hey, I will support you. Like I believe in you. Uh, I think it was actually Andy's tires. It just, it opened up a whole new door of like what's possible because it, it's now you're driving with a bigger purpose than just you by yourself. Empowering. Yeah, 100%. And it's super, super cool. And I really, really love that FD gives us a platform to be able to showcase sponsors in such a big way. I mean, Grudgistic, like no one in the drifting world really knew who they were. And now that we brought them into drifting, uh, now they're sustainable. It helps them. It helps their families. It helps their communities. It it helps all of us in in so many ways because now 
BMWs are getting the parts that they need uh, and, and cars are lasting longer. We're, we're able to save a lot of these old chassis like E30s and E36s are being able to actually be like rebuilt now. And it's, just, it's super cool. Like all, all of the drifting community is really awesome. And it's no matter where I go in the world, it seems to be the same conversation of just like people do it because they love to and they want to support yeah. and they want to <clears> help. And I mean, like the last trip to Poland, I didn't even have to drive my own car. I got there and uh, basically a guy by the name of Boss who has uh, De Illuminati, like that's his whole like drift team out there. Mm-hmm. And they brought out, I don't know, six or seven chasers. They uh, they brought me a S14. I told them I've never drove an S14 or 15. Mm-hmm. So they brought an S14. They brought a brand new S15 that no one else has ever drove before. Like I tested a brand new S15, uh, 2J in it, S14, 1J in it. They built me a one series in the three and a half weeks in between they, that I, they heard I was coming back. They built me a one series hatchback because we don't have hatchbacks here in the US. And they're like, oh, we'll build one. And he just... It's so crazy cool to just drive really, really, really cool cars. And then at the end of all that, he let me drive his car, which is like a seven or 800 horsepower uh, JZX. But it has yeah. the <clears throat> like sequential shift thing in it that is so oh. rad. Not, not a sequential, but it's like a DTC box yeah. that's like digital. So you put in automatic and it shifts like low automatic shifts at like 200 RPM. And then full kill mode, you just like clack, 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 clack. And it just breaks the tires loose and it's gone. And you, you use a clutch, it's... It's super, super cool. So I, I'm just really thrilled that drifting has brought us this far, even in the conversation that me and you have. Like, it's yeah. think about how far drifting, the sport of drifting and formula drift has brought us and all of our drivers and all of our sponsors. Like, it's just, I mean, it's, it's only on the way up. Like, it's amazing how far it's gone and where it's going. So I'm super honored to be, even just be a part of the conversation. Nice. Well, I... I'm glad we got to have this conversation. I know you and I'll have probably another one in Irwindale and then another one in Long Beach, probably a few in between. So, um, yeah. yeah, thank you for for doing this. Uh, thank you Absolutely. for everybody for listening. If you are listening on podcast, make sure to check it out on YouTube. You get to see the book, get to see my really old ass hat. Um, it's, a lot of cool things, actually. Yeah, yeah. I was. I mean, it's it's always good to go back and forth too. So, um, yeah, thanks again for everybody for all the support, and uh, catch everyone next week. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your your uh, your life, your weekends, and uh, chase your dreams, man. That's the only way to get there. Have fun. Enjoy. Enjoy.